This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, the 29th of July. Sewell's down the sewage drain. But how many more are like that in there? 2,000 migrants storm the channel. It's getting out of hand. 2,000. Good heavens. The X Factor voiceover star, Pitt Dixon's uh, disappeared from the show after 11 years. I've got no idea who they're going to replace him with. They've made the biggest cock-up of their entire life, but, uh, as I say, the proof will be in the viewing figures. Uh, Sarah Harding breaks up with boyfriend. Shock horror probe on that one. 30 teachers banned for sex with pupils in just six months. Helen Mirren makes the headlines for all the wrong reasons. You sometimes wonder. They go, doesn't she look great? Yeah, but she's quite clearly lost a few of her marbles. And school bullies get the girls. All of that and more between now and 6.30 this morning. Plus your texts, your emails, 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. And I did think it was odd when the story first came to light. This was the story of Caroline Starmer. Now, you remember Caroline Starmer because it made... All the newspapers, it made headlines, it made news bulletins, I talked about it. I have to be honest, first time round, I was possibly the only sceptical one. This is the woman who, you remember, goes into Primark, and she's got a son, and she she needs to breastfeed him. He wants to be fed. So she claims, she goes to a discreet area, and, uh, and she starts breastfeeding her child. A security guard comes up drags her child off her breast and runs away with her and says, if you want your daughter back, you've got to, you've got to come and collect her. So they sort of do that. And, and then she goes on, I think it's either to Facebook or Twitter, and says, you know, how awful it is and how, how dreadful it is. And I have to be honest, I mean, on the face of it, people were absolutely horrified. I'd never heard of such a thing. In all my born days, I've heard of people complaining and tutting and going breastfeeding in public. She said, no, it was all very discreet. It was behind one of their sort of mannequins, which, as you'll discover later, really can't be that true, because all the mannequins in Primark are quite thin. They're going to have to change them, because they don't represent any of their customers, who are predominantly fat. Anyway, this particular girl was feeding, and she said it was awful. And obviously, then somebody obviously picks up on what she said on Facebook and on Twitter and all those kind of social media sites. And so they said, you should go to the police. You should complain about it. Now, obviously, in the back of her mind, as you will discover, she's thinking, maybe not. And they go, you should definitely go, that's outrageous. How could somebody do that? That's outrageous. So anyway, she gets photographed by the press. She goes to the police. She makes this official complaint. And Primark, Primark, you know, given their due, they bounce right back. They go, listen, we've never had any problem with people breastfeeding. In fact, it's almost written into the manifesto. They don't have any problem at all. You can all go and sit in there and breastfeed. Well, of course, all the groups were up in arms, weren't they? All up in arms saying it's disgraceful. How could Primark do this? And Primark is saying, wait a minute. This, you know, we don't recognise. We've spoken to her. We do not recognise the description of the security guard that she gave. And so it starts having a few little flaws around the edges. And then, of course, the ultimate flaw is... The CCTV footage, it shows no such thing at all. Anyway, she's, uh, she's been charged with perverting the course of justice. I wonder how long, ladies, let me make another prediction. How long before depression rears its ugly head? OK, what do you reckon? Depression within about, you know, an hour of being in court? Because quite clearly she's lied through her teeth. Whichever way you look at it, they've got the CCTV footage. Because it was painting Primark in a very bad light. 
And they said, we have no problem with things like this. As the majority of their customers are women, why would they have a problem with it? Quite clearly, something happened, and I bet you anything, I'm seeing the word depression. I mean, she made a a complaint to the police of an assault. And I think that what happens in a lot of these cases, because I've seen it before, where sort of somebody tells a fib. They tell a little fib. And before you know where you are, the thing has got out of control, and they've started embellishing it and saying this happened and that happened, without realising that that's what we have courts for, for evidence. You know, to make up a lie is really unforgivable. She's in court uh, next month, I believe. Um, Primark said they've got no evidence of this at all. They've checked the CCTV. They can see her on the CCTV. Nobody grabbing her child and running away. Why would somebody grab her child and run away? Anyway, as I say, she looks like, you know, prime material for something. I bet she'll turn out to be a single mum. I bet you anything. She said she was assaulted by this man. Anyway, she's now been charged with perverting. Why do these people think they can get away with it? It really, really, really annoys me. You know, because she's now wasting court time. Now you've got to put her in court because uh, because Primark want to defend their good name. They have a good track record on breastfeeding. If you can have such a thing as a good track record on breastfeeding. Uh, then, of course, we discovered, as predicted yesterday on LBC, we did say we would find the man who shot the lion. And it turns out he's a dentist, I believe, from Minnesota. And uh, his business will be closed down by the end of the week, I can guarantee you. Animal lovers are already besieging the, uh, the dentist's surgery. Uh, stupid man that he is, I mean, quite clearly brain dead, uh, picks on a lion called Cecil, or as they call it in America, Cecil. Uh, and this was a, a lion who, of course, as he was, of course, the, the implications of this are even worse than you imagine. He's got cubs with the lionesses in his group. Now these, because he's now been killed, lions will come in and take over his pride and they will kill his cubs. So this dentist is a murdering son of a what's-it because he goes out there and he kills animals for no reason apart from pleasure. That's the only thing he does it for. And the fact that he's obviously a very rich dentist. I predict by the end of this year, he'll be a very broke dentist. He'll be a dentist who doesn't have a practice anymore as animal lovers besiege this place and raise it to the ground. What a ghastly piece of work he is. Luckily, he's named and shamed in the papers over here so we can say just about what we like about Walter Palmer, you evil little twisted so-and-so. Honestly, there's a picture of him with another lion that he shot uh, for about $30,000. It's just sick, these these people who want to go over there and do things like that. He's also pictured with a rhinoceros. He paid 13000 for that one, for an elk, a bison. I mean, a bison, uh, which he sort of brought down as well. I just don't understand where his mental... Status. I mean, I just really do not know. Animal conservationist Johnny Rodriguez says, we have to give up for dead his six cubs as well. Rival mates will kill them. Because that's what happens, as I just explained. When a, when a lion dies or it's, you know, sort of pushed out of its own pride, any cubs that it's fathered will be killed. We've seen it on the television. And so six of these cubs will now lose their lives as well. All because of the actions of one pervy dentist from America. I mean, really... It, it's just absolutely appalling that this this bloke here, the driller killer, 43 slaughtered animals. I'll tell you what, but he's got children as well. He's obviously some sicko in the head, isn't he? Because the um, this uh, this lion was shot with a bow and arrow, but it's not just any old bow and arrow, as you can imagine. It was enticed out of, uh, of a game park, and uh, then he sort of hunted it. And, uh, and then it was, uh, it was shot, 
and he was found the next day by hunters who finished him with a rifle before, wait for this one, beheading him and skinning him. I mean, you just hold your hands up, don't you, really? You sort of go, how sick are you, matey? How sick are you? You really are some sicko, aren't you? I confidently predict that your business will be bust by the end of this week as animal lovers across America and film crews besiege you. They'll besiege your house, they'll besiege your home. I know you're not the only one, but what you've done here, you haven't just killed a lion. You've killed its offspring as well. And for that, you are unforgiven. I hope that you go bankrupt. I hope your children are put into care. I hate every bit of you with my every being of my body. Does that make me a bad person? No, it makes me a good person. At one point, he's, he shot a leopard. He shot a leopard, just for the point of shooting a leopard. I don't, I can't quite understand why people want to do things like that. I really can't understand it. Anyway, the, a lot of the papers are full of his uh, practice. It's, uh, it's closed at the moment and will be to the end of the week. I'm confident you brick, pal. You won't be opening up ever again. Because what you've done, and I know loads of people do it, but you've been found out. We've got a name. This time we have a name. And uh, animal lovers and conservationists and, and people, you know, these animals weren't doing anything apart from going about their daily business. La, 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 la. And then along comes you, pal. Well, I confidently predict that uh, you won't have a business for much longer. And I'm quite grateful for that. I feel, I feel a whole lot better about life. A whole lot better about life. I'm a bit bored with seagulls, though. There's pictures of seagulls trying to take mobile phones. I mean, how do they operate them? I know you just have to move your claw across there, and you can probably sort of get a get a line up or something like that. But then, but then they've deliberately sent poor school children out holding a sandwich in the air so seagulls take it. Have you seen the size of seagulls? You don't want to mess around with them. You know, two or three, two or three of these, they could carry you off. You could disappear. Somebody wrote to me and said, "How do you cope with being right all the time?" Oh, that's a cross I have to bear. I am, I'm never wrong, actually. Never wrong. It's embarrassing. I know it's embarrassing. It must be if you're one of life's losers. But, you know, for me to be perfectly right all the time. I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday and we all had the same thoughts about that poor little boy on the building site. That poor little lad who'd, who'd wandered off onto a building site. And then the grandmother was on the television criticising the police for not checking the building site properly. But they found it was secure. He'd, he'd got in in a devious way. I mean, you know, if police officers were watching every single child every single minute, we'd have millions of police officers. And as you know, we haven't got millions of police officers. They always come in for stick, don't they, the police? It's always the police's fault. You know, if something doesn't go right, you know, and yet these are, are the first people who'd be phoning up if they're burgled or somebody set fire to the car or something like that. They're always on the phone. Well, this has happened. You know, you'd be tempted to go, listen, I'm really sorry, and put the phone down. Ridiculous. Uh, 8485, uh, he could be charged with poaching. Yes, the, uh, the, uh, the government over there. It's backhanders all the way, isn't it, with this sort of thing? I should imagine there's loads of backhanders going on. Good God. Is that a queue of people waiting to get into France? Is that all the lorries waiting to go there? 2,000 migrants tried to storm the Channel Tunnel. We don't want any of this pond life here. Murderers, rapists, paedophiles, drug dealers. Some of them are armed. Some of them are armed. I tell you, why don't we just let them walk down the tunnel? And when you get to the other end, there'll be a sign saying, I'm sorry, we're full. We don't have any more space at all. The government have lost this one big time, haven't they? They haven't got the faintest idea what to do. Not a clue. Meanwhile, lorries are sitting there, food's going off, all sorts of things. And, uh, and then the best David Cameron comes up with is, London is not the place to stash your dodgy cash. You're having a laugh, mate. It's exactly the place to stack dodgy cash. And uh, let's face it, as we're about to execute, well, we're not, 
that uh, somebody is Gaddafi's son. Who are his best friends again? Up comes Prince Andrew's name. Up comes Prince Andrew's name. It's unbelievable, isn't it, really? That they're going to execute him by a firing squad. Good. Can't happen quick enough. Quarter past four. Look at the team this morning with 2,000 migrants trying to storm the Channel Tunnel. Is it time to deploy our military to protect tourists, lorry drivers and our economy? And should we ban slang from all schools? One school in Croydon has had success with their plan. That's Nick of the team from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. John Craig, chief political correspondent for Sky News, is looking at the papers for today. I've just had a brilliant idea. And it's so simple. It's so simple. As a court has decided that... uh, Muammar Gaddafi's son is to die by firing squad. Why don't we just make it easier and put him out into the bush and get the dentist to go out there and we could have sort of... The dentist could actually do something useful in life. He could hunt him down. He could sort of follow him through. And that way we've saved the expense of doing it. The dentist can try and redeem himself by taking out another despot. What a brilliant idea, honestly. So, you see, I should be advising governments. There's no point in having other people going, oh, you know, we should be spending the money on the poor and things like that. No, heavens above. The poor can thieve for themselves. That's why, you know, if we've got 2,000 migrants and Nick Ferrari's going to be asking this morning, should we bring the army in to protect us? The answer is, well, the government can't do anything. You might as well bring in the army. I mean, but what do you do if there's 2,000 people marching to it? This sounds like a war. This sounds like a war, as far as I'm concerned, with this ever-growing list of thieving, penniless migrants who want to come here so they can thieve from the country. They're only coming here for benefits. They're not coming here for anything else. They're not coming here for the weather, put it that way. You know, most of them come from very hot countries. They come from Afghanistan. Uh, they're well-versed in thieving. They're well-versed in lying. Most of them appear to... There don't seem to be many women. Have you noticed that? Perhaps it's a giant gay club. Perhaps I've kind of missed out on this one. Perhaps Calais is... It? I mean, I've seen some of the uh, the striking uh, French people over there. They look a bit gay. You know, you've only got to sort of look at them to realise they don't want us there. So as I suggested yesterday, why don't we go round the coast? Let's go round to Boulogne. Let's, let's leave Calais. Stew in your own juices. All the migrants can go, right, we're going to storm. Oh, no, no boats. No, no channel tunnel either. We've just closed it. Why don't we just close it? Brick it up one end and leave it there. What are they going to do? Walk all the way through? I don't think so. What we do is we get some wild animals from zoos that have been closed down and just let them loose in the channel tunnel. Makes life so much simpler, doesn't it, really? Uh, 8850, Steve at LBC. We could send, as Terry said, the Boris water cannons. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, it would be an opportunity for many of them to have their first bath. But it has been getting, Steve, more and more out of hand. I'm an international haulier, and the effect it's had on my small business, along with the uh, operation stack, is devastating. However, the biggest reason for our troubles crossing the channel is that uh, my ferry have now been forced to close by the Monopolies Commission. We now have 1,200 truck spaces a day less. Just do the maths. You may cure some of the migrant problems, but Operation Stack is here to stay until there are at least two more ferries on the Dover-Calais route, says Rupert. Well, there you go. I mean, I agree with you. I don't see any end in sight. Do you see any end in sight for this? It's got to be... Sh- it's no good sitting around a table like a bunch of wusses going, well, I think what we should do... Is- that doesn't solve it. Need to get some action in there. Get the army down there. Get them armed. Tear gas. The whole lot. Advance any further than this. We're firing. It's as simple as that. Where are the French? What are the French doing? Answer, the French are doing absolutely as they all do. All the time, diddly squat. They do nothing. They just sit... Another bottle of wine? Yes. Uh, some, uh, Some cheese for you? Yes, why not? Nobody does anything. The French do nothing at all. We're expected to police it. So as far as I'm concerned, let's brick it up. 
Let's break it up. It's never been much use, has it, to anybody? Although I did go on it once. But you can you can go other ways. So much easier. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Somebody said uh, about, about me being uh, right all the time. It is, I mean, it is a bit of an embarrassment. And somebody said, you're always right. The only time you were once wrong was when you thought you were wrong, but discovered you were, in fact, right. You see, I mean, it, it is, it's an embarrassment. I don't like to keep saying I'm right all the time because it makes me sound big-headed. And there's nothing worse than a big-headed, cheerful radio presenter at this time of the morning, is there? I mean, I find it fairly infuriating myself. We were talking the other day about bouncing out of bed, and I said, well, I do bounce out of bed in the morning, mainly because I've got one of those mattresses. You know, you know, they actually demonstrate it on the television, and the person lying next to you, you, you can jump up and down on your side of the bed, and it doesn't affect them in the slightest. Not in my bed. I jump out of bed, Teddy hits the ceiling. It's as simple as that. You know, the mattress is almost like sort of giant sprung. It's one of those, it's like a memory foam. And the idea of memory foam is it, it sort of replicates the shape of your body. Well, when I got out of bed this morning and looked at it, I'm telling you, that's not my body. There's somebody else's body in there because it certainly isn't mine. But I do bounce out of bed. I'm quite, I'm quite good at getting up, up in the morning. Some people are terrible. I wake up before the alarms. Sometimes hours before the alarms. We were having a long discussion in the office yesterday about sleeping and who sleeps longest and how much sleep you get. And Arlene Phillips and I were chatting about sleeping the other day. As we get a little bit older, as we head into our forties, <coughs> we um, we sort of both. About, she's a little bit older than I am. So I can't remember the sleeping conversation. No, there was no reason because we did her. If you remember, before yesterday, we did Arlene Phillips at the beginning of the week before we got into the sleeping thing. So the. So Arlene Phillips and I were talking. Because apparently, as you get older, you're supposed to need less sleep. That's what they... Well, Margaret Thatcher survived on four hours a night. And uh, I tend to discover... I think it depends how much you've pushed your little body, doesn't it? And if you've pushed your little body quite a bit... I tend to find certain foods make you tired. Have you ever thought that, ladies and gentlemen? You know, if you eat sort of... If you eat cooked food, I think cooked food makes you tired. I'm totally convinced. If I have cooked for... I mean, yesterday I had... What have you, oh, I had those parmentia potatoes again. I've become obsessed with them. But I'm, I'm convincing myself that, uh, that certain potatoes, and I eat the skin as well, is really good. And they're not particularly huge. So I had those with, wait for it, Thai green curry poured over the top. It was the, t- it was the tastiest thing I've ever had. It was quite delicious. There's something about this Thai green curry. I think it's got fish oil in it, which some people are allergic to, so you can't have it. I loved it. It's making my mouth water even thinking about it. Because today I do not have an interview. I don't have an interview tomorrow either for In Conversation. But we do have an In Conversation for this weekend. And it's going to be Arlene Phillips talking about the way that we treat the elderly. It's a very, very interesting conversation, as you will discover, because we've both got something in common with it. And, uh, and the other guest is Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. And then somebody the other day said to me, have you ever seen Game of Thrones? I said, seen Game of Thrones? You're talking to the expert on Game of Thrones. I talked to the celebrities involved... In Game of Thrones. Uh, 84850, steve at What did I do yesterday? I didn't do anything, actually. I actually had sort of a fairly lazy day, which I like doing every so often. Waiting for the new Tommy Bahama shirts to uh, arrive. <laughs> just just to put the fear of God into poor old DHL again. And, um, oh, what was it? Oh, yes, a friend of mine. He goes to the market to go and get fruit and veg, as you know. As you know. And he uses a, a number of different suppliers, including Graham and Paul. But uh, he goes down there, and on the back of his, his wagon, he's got some lead, which has come off a building that was being pulled down. And so he said to the builders, I'll take that if you don't want it. He said, no, that's fine. And so he loaded the lead into the back of his van. He goes down to the market the other day. Five seconds 
The back doors of the van were open. He goes, he goes in to sort out fruit and veg with uh, another one of the suppliers he uses down there. Comes back. Somebody's nicked the lead from the back of the van in a market. Somebody's nicked it. It turns out to be another trader down there. And they know who it is because they caught him on CCTV. So he got phoned up by, let's just say, a friend saying, you'd be well advised to, uh, to get that back here as quickly as possible. You know, I'm not saying I know people who can do people, but I know people who know people. Uh, the, uh, the dentist deserves to be thrown to the lions, says Jenny. And we are being invaded, so let's brick up the tunnel. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't quite understand. It's, this, this has got worse. At one time it was a handful, wasn't it? 2,000 people, 2,000 people stormed the tunnel. The police sort of were almost down there for six hours. Six, now, is that British police or French police? Because I always see French police as worse than useless. I don't quite understand why. They haven't managed to, 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 to curtail the problem, which has got bigger. I mean, what do we do? Do we wait till it's 10,000 and, uh, and the people trying to get through the tunnel start shooting at the police officers? Is that what we're waiting for? Because it can't be that far away. We've discovered a number of them have got knives and things like that. So I think you have to be... Uh, I think you have to be very, very careful, and they've got to do something. And it's no good uh, David Cameron just sitting around, you know, having another one of these, let's have a cup of tea and a biscuit, and let's sort of mull this one over. They need to do some action. They need to do it pretty quickly. Uh, Steve, I hadn't uh, realised about the Cubs. Yes, this is... Uh, if uh, And you've seen it on the television on the David Attenborough programme, that uh, there is a lion. In fact, there was, I remember it very vividly. There was a lion and his lionesses. I think they had four Cubs. And it was part of his pride. But there were younger lions, buck lions, who were coming in. And the idea is they wanted to take over the pride. So what you have to do is you have to kill the lion whose pride it is. It's survival of the fittest. And uh, in the end, they did kill this lion whose pride it was. And, of course, the next thing they go and kill are the cubs. And the cubs were found, you know, bitten to death. They just don't... You know, you look at the size of a cub and you look at the size of a fully grown lion. It's poor is the size of the cub. And so it takes them but a second to kill them. But they will not have somebody else's... Why would they bring up somebody else's cubs? It's a bit like the Jeremy Kyle show. And in the Jeremy Kyle show, it's kind of reversed. People do bring up other people's cubs. Because they're never too sure who the father is, are they, most of the time? Or even the mother. There's two people. There's two, two lesbians on the front of the sun today. Uh, married lesbians, both pregnant, by the same sperm donor they found on the internet. Yeah, fantastic. It's like d designer children, isn't it, nowadays? Let's have children. Should we have children? I'll have three, I think, today. It can't be too long, is it, before you go into the, into the supermarket and there's packets on the back and it's frozen sperm and you just pick out the, the child you think you like the look of. You know, if you have this, it'll be blonde, blue-eyed Aryan. If you have this one, it'll be a dark-haired child, but still quite tall, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And you'll just take it to the checkout and go, uh, child, I thought I'd have three today. Is that all right? And, you, you know, because as you've seen from the Jeremy Kyle show, any old Tom, Dick and Harry can bring children into the world. It's whether or not they're fit for purpose. Most of them sadly aren't on that programme. And that's why I suppose we actually uh, we actually watch, which is a bit bad, isn't it? Tony, the trucker says that nobody in the media would dare say what you say about the migrants. They are saying it. That's the thing. They are saying it. They, I think they've now got to that stage where sort of people are going enough is enough. Somebody's going, we've already had people dying in the tunnel. How much more proof do they need that they need to sort it out immediately? It's got nothing to do with I'm, I'm saying anything different from the rest of the media. The rest of the media is saying exactly the same thing. It's just that, you know, the government are sort of, huh, huh, a little bit deaf. Need to sort of get their ears cleaned out and then they might be hearing properly. It's uh, 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Well done for getting up at this time of the morning. If you're just heading home, then uh, let's hope we can make your journey a little bit easier this morning. 28 minutes to five. Still loving your show, says Alistair, driving into Romford from Folkestone. Pulling my hair out. Now I've got to get home again this evening. 21.8 miles of stack. It's a joke. It is a joke. I'm looking at the pictures on the television from earlier on. It is an absolute joke. Is it my imagination or is this country falling apart? I don't want it to. I don't want it to fall apart. But when we've got lords a-leaping with cocaine shoved up their noses and, you know, and a little orange bra on, you can't help feeling that, you know, the old world's gone completely stark staring mad. Nothing new, though, in lords a-leaping. They're all at it. They're either sort of fiddling their expenses or they're sort of dressed up in sort of poncy-looking ermine robes. I don't quite see the point of it. They're now saying, let's just abolish the House of Lords. I mean, how can you trust these people to run our lives when they can't appear to run their own lives? There's so many decent people out there. They unfortunately don't appear to be in government, which is, uh, which is a shame. Uh, very quickly, are you furious? As I am about the lady, says Pamela, who specifically said she didn't want her money to go to her daughter and the decision's been overruled. Yes, I am, actually. I am. And I'll tell you for why. I'll tell you for why. Because I thought that your last will and testament meant something. I thought that if I do a will, which I've done a will, and I've seen this happen before. You remember lots of actors. There was a very famous actress in Little House on the Prairie. And he went on to do Highway to Heaven and he died years and years ago. And he left a will. His children challenged it in court. They challenged it in court. They wanted more money. Greedy little so-and-sos. You know, and over here, if this woman uh, left her money, and it was about, what was it, £500,000, give or take a few, she wanted it to go to an animal charity, and then her daughter challenged it. Quite clearly, this woman did not want her daughter to have her money. Christina Crawford you know, did not get any money in her mother's will. Her mother stipulated, and to my children, Christina, blah, 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 I leave nothing for reasons best known to themselves. She didn't want them to have anything. I thought that's the whole idea. If I leave a will and I decide to leave it all to the producer, I haven't, so just in case you thought that was a legally binding contract, um, I haven't, uh, you know, and then when I die, he goes, well, he said on air that I was to have his money, and they start challenging it. What can I do? I'm dead. I can't do anything about it. This poor woman must be turning in her grave the fact that the daughter she despised so much she didn't want to get a penny piece. You know, Michael, um, sorry, um, I think Paul McCartney's done exactly the same. He's not going to leave all his money to his children. Why would he? What, for them to waste it? No, he's made sure that the children work. You know, it gives you a sense of pride when you go out and do something as opposed to just, you know, taking from people. There's a guy in the paper today. He tried to blackmail his billionaire wife. Uh, he's a no-mark from, I think, Cornwall, poor soul. Uh, poor Cornwall, I suspect. Bit of a loner. Married her and then tried to blackmail her with pornographic images on the internet. They've just sent him to prison for 12 years. Best place for him, I think. He'll quite enjoy being in prison. But I agree. I'm, I'm slightly disturbed that a court can overturn your last will and testament. I mean, I, I just don't... What's the point of making a will? Because it you might as well say to the person drawing up your will, and the bank have my will because they, they get a percentage for administering it, uh, whereas my brother's done it before, I think, for my mother. He was executor for my mother's estate. And uh, and that my mother made a will. She made, you know, th- that was her, her contract. And she decided this is what she was leaving the money to, and we got money and people got, you know, jewellery and stuff like that. I'd be horrified if somebody tried to overturn my mother's will. In fact, I'd be a bit more than horrified. So this uh, this this judge and this woman who's ended up with the £200,000, I mean, they were all talking about it yesterday, 
I've noticed James O'Brien's becoming more irritating by the day as he takes the opposing view. So somebody goes, this is absolutely dreadful. He'll go, well, actually, of course, she needed the money. Oh, dear, honestly. <laughs> Bring back hanging. <laughs> so much easier. Uh, 84850, uh Paul says, I can't uh, help but notice on the Jeremy Kyle show, but all the people have no teeth and are awful parents. What are you talking about? These people are gorgeous. Obviously watching the wrong programme. Uh, little Julie says, uh, totally agree with that uh, that murdering dentist. I went to uh, an open day, the big cat sanctuary in Kent, where I saw over 55 big and small cats. Uh, the line in the photo is called Tiny. And uh, Tiny is one thing he's not. Breaks my heart that these evil scum kill beautiful animals for pleasure. And that's what I said earlier on. And I couldn't care less whether he's a dentist or whether he's a doctor or a qualified plastic surgeon. As far as I'm concerned, he's a murdering so-and-so and hope his business collapses. It's in America. I'm pretty safe. I can say things like that uh, because I'm an animal lover. I just don't understand why anybody, anybody would want to go out and murder animals purely for pleasure and then pose with them as if he was some sort of clever little so-and-so. Nobody likes a smart Alec. Or in his case, well, anyway. And um, so I hope his business, it's closed at the moment. I mean, what did he think he was going to do? Go back to his business and carry on doing dentistry, making a load of money by charging for people, you know, to have all their teeth done and things like that, which, because the Americans are far more into things like that than we are. We're, we're slowly getting into the, into the market. And his is a fairly big sort of practice by the look of it. What do you think? You just wander back in, make some more money and go back and kill more animals for fun? I don't think so, pal. I don't think so. Your business will be collapsing by the end of this week. What, what, what serious patient of yours who's an animal lover is going to want to know? Because you don't know, do you? When you go to see your doctor or your dentist or your candlestick maker, you don't know what they do in their private life. If I discover that my, my dentist was sort of secretly sort of going out shooting animals in the wild, I'd be finding another dentist. It's as simple as that. I'm not going to line somebody's pockets for them to do something like that. And this dentist in America, he's been doing it for ages, 47 47 animals he's, uh, he's actually done so far. And you think to yourself, but why? Are you sick? Are you a sick person? What's the matter with you? We're going to prove to you just how sick the rest of this world is. We're going to close your business down. It's as simple as that. In America, they're even more sort of anti. By the time it's hit a few bulletins over there, he won't bother opening up again. He seriously won't because there are people who you think I'm sort of, you know, somebody who's very much pro-animal. My God. In America, even more. Even more. Steve, all land is valuable. Why don't the French just build on the land where these people camp? Well, the French are useless. You've had to agree that every time you see anything to do with the French, they couldn't organise the proverbial in a brewery, ladies and gentlemen. The French do nothing. Listen, all these years on from Diana, uh, we tried to find the uh, car, not find the car, can't find the car. They can't find anything. Totally useless. Seriously, not a cat in 80s chance. But mind you, these are people who used to execute people on guillotines in public execution. So I rest my case. A bunch of buffoons, ladies and gentlemen. So they just go, don't worry, the British will sort it out. Yeah, I tell you what, we're going to close down Calais, I've decided. I've decided. <laughs> Perhaps we could send somebody, uh, Kevin records we could send Donald Trump there to build a casino. Yes, I mean, I, th- I think, why don't we just sort of, you know, cover it with pig flurry. Slurry. Pig flurry. <laughs> What's the good of a song from a movie then? It didn't quite work out either way. <laughs> oh, dear. And uh, it's Windows 10 day today, says uh, Rogan. What does that mean? Windows 10. I'd love to ask him. He, he knows about things like that. I don't understand anything like that 
at all. Uh, at the end of the show yesterday, it says, Paul, you read my email about the Bullseye documentary and mentioned you make a good in conversation, which I totally agree with and wondered what he was doing. Uh, as it was too late to email, I thought I'd tell you today. He did, in fact, have two strokes in February of 2011. This is Jim Bowen. He's now 77, and though officially retired, he still uh, keeps reasonably busy. He's made a couple of TV adverts with his wife, Phyllis. No longer lives in the station building, though. And... Um, and read the little boy on the Building Society said, I've got total sympathy for the family, but I too think it's unfair of the grandmother to criticise the police. Well, there she stood with her tattoos, ladies and gentlemen, criticising the police. I, was, I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday. She phoned me up. She said, I'm incandescent with rage. And I thought, oh, here we go. It'll be something I've done, I can tell. And she said, what was your take on the little boy? I said, well, I said, apart from immense sympathy, immense sympathy for this poor little lad whose life finished at the age of seven. I said, when I was seven, I wasn't allowed to go out and walk two miles. And then, ten o'clock at night, they then decide to phone the police. And I thought, my mother would have... She'd have taken me there and said, who who are you going to see? And then come back again. So he goes to play with his friends in a park two miles away. He's ADHD. And on his way back, he leaves there at eight o'clock, so he's been playing for two hours. And he's got a two-mile walk home. A little, did nobody see him? Did nobody sort of see a little lad walking by the side of the road thinking, I think perhaps we ought to call the police and find out who he is. So on the way back, he sees the building site where he's played before and he's been told not to play there. And they put up fencing around it. They used to have people there all the time, but now they don't. They've just got the fencing, which was secured. They didn't realise he'd gone round the side and sort of crawled in underneath because it was a fascination. As I said yesterday, me and my friends years and years ago, we used to play on building sites. Nowadays, of course, they've got big signs everywhere. You can't play here, you can't play there. Got to wear a hard hat. Even when they're building studios here. I mean, I'm supposed to put the equipment on, but I look ridiculous in it. You know, me and me and a hard hat just don't kind of go together. And that's what happens. So he goes and plays it. He's by himself, remember. And he falls into this tube. Unfortunately, as he falls in, his clothing gets caught at the top. And gradually, the clothing strangles him. So that's what happens. They don't find him till 8.30 in the morning. I mean, you could weep. You could weep for the state of this poor little lad. Absolutely. But at the same time, I have to ask the question. You know, at seven... I don't know. Is, is seven quite old now for going out by yourself till... 10 o'clock at night? Is that normal behaviour? If it is, I've kind of missed out somewhere along the line because in my day, you know, you were back home. I mean, 10 o'clock at night. And then the police have got to start looking when it's dark. It's just, it's just not right. It's just not right. It's terrible, really. And then there was, of course, you know, a, a few days ago, a little boy of two found in Oldham wearing pyjamas and Wellingtons at 6.25 in the morning. You know, very, very sad. Very, very sad. You know, luckily the second case had a, had a happy ending. But you have to ask, says Paul, what are parents doing? You know, I mean, you know, at 6.25 in the morning, our doors were never unlocked, even for the dog to get out. Yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, we would, you know, you do lockdown at night, don't you? But you're seven years old and you're going out playing until 10 o'clock at night when they finally call the police. I just, you know, oh, I just feel so sorry for him. You can only hope that if there is such a thing as a god... He's looking after him and he's sitting on a cloud with him now and he's having a much better life up there. Perhaps he can go and play on building sites because they're probably in heaven. They're much safer places. Perhaps it's all like sort of plastic bricks or something like that. But it's just terrible, isn't it? There's no... It sounds an awful thing to say, but there's no parenting skills anymore. 
There really isn't. You, you don't have to watch the Jeremy Kyle show to realise that or see the vile people that they pitch up on this morning. Ruth and Eamon and, uh, to a certain extent, Pip Schofield and Amanda must sit there sometimes looking at these people thinking, God, what are you? I watch the Jeremy Kyle show. Sometimes I can't watch it. Sometimes I cannot watch people who are so awful. People who are so awful that you just think, you really don't even deserve to be here. You know, they stick families on who've had 13 children. And you think, are we going to have more? And you think, well, we're not bloody paying for it. Paul in Highgate says, I think the dentist might have to go into hiding. Uh, I think he's gone into hiding already. He's certainly not, uh, certainly not hanging around. Certainly not hanging around. Because he suddenly realised, now he's been named. And if he's named in our papers, he must be flooded across the American papers. And the, uh, the, the Animal Liberation League over there, whatever they call themselves, are really serious about it. Once that, now they know where he lives, now they know his address, he'll be inundated with emails and everything else to go out and shoot defenceless animals for fun, ladies and gentlemen. You know, because he can afford it. There are these millionaire game hunters, and they just want to go and hunt game. It's a shame they can't be hunted. That's what I say. Let's stick Gaddafi's son out there, shall we, in the wild and send out the dentist armed with a crossbow. That'll be more interesting for everybody. Or not, as the case may be. Uh, 84850. Uh, Phil says, uh, following your comments about the French police in Calais, can you keep your voice down a little bit? He said, I live in a town in France next to the gendarmerie. Merci beaucoup. I know. I'm sorry about that. I know. It's awful, really. But the trouble is, luckily, the French police are so stupid, they wouldn't understand anything. Uh, we do not understand this uh, radio. What is it? What is it? He's critical of you. Really? Why? Because you're stupid. <laughs> you know, I don't see the problem. I mean, even on the news, since this programme has started, we found an extra 3,000 migrants. I started with 2,000 at the beginning of the programme. Now on the news with Chaz, we've got 5,000. I mean, it's like a holiday resort, ladies and gentlemen. It's like Maplins all over again. Just a, a slightly nastier version. You've all got your own idea of what to do with these migrants. Uh, most of it is totally unrepeatable. Um, another one here says, uh, why just not, you know, everybody's saying, why don't we just brick it up? Why, you know, brick it up? It's as simple as that. And they stop these people. They're only coming here for the, for the benefits and the freebies and the fact that they can disappear into the community. We know that because border control here is worse than useless. Seriously, they go there. They found a woman the other day driving 14 years 14 years, she shouldn't have been in the country. She's happily driving around, having a good old laugh at the police. Poor old police, honestly. I have immense uh, immense sympathy with them at the moment. More from the uh, the papers in a, in a mo when we'll look at... Um, what can we look at, I think? Oh, the... Uh, after the cocaine and the call girls, how the Lords cash in on taxpayer-funded expenses. There's one here, a peer, Baroness Wilcox. She bills 5,700 quid a month. That's £300 a day. And she walks 200 yards to work. Not for much longer, methinks. Once the papers have got older, this one. 14 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Trust you well. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Coming up to the uh, end of the month. Yeah. And uh, I'm going off to the theatre. Not this weekend, actually. Next weekend. I think my, my godchildren are back from holiday this week. In fact, they, I think they might be back today. So they're all. Every, I can't go and see them until their tans have started to fade. There's nothing worse when you look pale and insipid like me. Uh, so Sarah Harding is going to break up with her boyfriend. She doesn't have much luck at anything really. Singing career not not much cop. Her acting dreadful and boyfriend non-existent. It's not looking good, is it, for poor Sarah Harding? But the good news is she gets loads of coverage in the newspapers. Um, you know about her traumatic life and how it's been so tough for her. And you know being in a soap is very difficult. I know we've seen your acting. It's fairly painful for most. 
most of us to watch at the moment. Uh, half of us talk to our flowers. Oh, come on, tell me you don't, please. It was a joke, wasn't it, when they said Prince Charles talks to his flowers. Hello, hello, little flower. How are you? How are you doing? How are you? I don't talk to flowers. I talk to bees. I talk to bees when I'm watering. Because yesterday I decided to have, as I say, my parmenti potatoes with the uh, Thai green curry over the top of it. It was it was absolutely delicious. It was it was possibly the nicest thing I'd eaten in a long while. I'd forgotten, you know, because I hadn't had a Thai green curry for ages. And so I'm watering the things, and I've got bees and everything else buzzing around all over the place. And luckily, they're very they're very placid bees. As long as you don't sort of try and swipe them or something like that, they they seem to be fairly good. Um, I'll tell you later on how you can uh, get your own Downton doggy. Well, a few of you might be able to. And a sore slip worker loses a £100,000 claim. It's quite a good little story. I love it when people are caught out. I love it. It makes me feel so much better about life that, you know, some people you think, you know, they've been sort of claiming benefits for years. They don't actually deserve any benefits because they're fraudulent. You know, they've always been pictured lifting things up and running. Do you remember the bloke who had the... uh, the little sort of golf buggy type thing. And he could also back. He couldn't do anything. He could barely walk three feet. And yet there he was lifting this blooming thing upstairs back into his uh, free flat. Dreadful person. Uh, there's no fool like an old fool. And here's Brendan Rogers, who we mentioned the other day on the programme. Brendan Rogers uh, is a football boss. And uh, he's been married for some time to Susan Rogers. They have uh, two children. And um, married for more than 20 years. Anyway, last year they uh, they separated mainly because dirty boy Brendan was having a fling with some woman who worked for the company. And she was the former travel coordinator, Charlotte Searle. And uh, Charlotte Searle, of course, I mean, quite clearly one of those people who sets her sights on somebody else's man. Because as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sorry, it might make me sound terribly old-fashioned, but he was married, darling. Do not do goo-goo eyes. You look like the sort of person who probably does goo-goo eyes. You know, and first of all, they denied that they were in a relationship and uh, then, of course, they had to. He then got his teeth whitened because, as I say, no fool like an old fool. Uh, his wife is 40. She's very ordinary, but she helped him mastermind this property portfolio. Uh, of course, the girlfriend, just I'm uh, so aptly named P.A. You know, that's always a fairly good one. And uh, he denied when he was at home with his wife in Formby on Merseyside that he was in a relationship. But then, of course, he was lying through his teeth. They all do it, don't they? They all do it. Are you in a relationship? No. Christiana Rianoff, are you in a relationship? No, he just stay with me overnight. We're not nothing like that. Lying old baggage. Lying old baggage. But as I said the other day, when poor old Christina Rianoff was complaining bitterly that, uh, you know, people were attacking her for taking Ben Cohen. Well, having seen how fat and bloated Ben Cohen's got, I think the wife's probably better off without him. All the same, it's a little bit galling. And so people on Twitter have been attacking Christina and she was going, you know, I'm not a housebreaker. I know I'd split people up from there. You know, and you think, yeah, but nobody likes you. Nobody likes you. You're deeply unliked. You're deeply unpopular. And it's nothing to do with Ben Cohen. It's just that every time you have a relationship, you drone on about it to anybody. I've lost track of it. I could probably go back through the OK archives and find out every single bloke you've ever been out with, you flogged the story of it. You know, Joe Calzaki. There was a there was the meeting of the minds, wasn't there? And a few other people she's been out with. I just I can't quite understand it. I was talking the other day on the programme, and I can't name the person, but it was a, a female presenter who'd had some fairly high-profile relationships. In other words, she'd put it about quite a bit. And very presentable, very presentable, not particularly good. That was the problem, you know. She is, I think it's the old Cheryl Fernandez Spagbol situation, which is Cheryl Fernandez Spagbol is living proof of how far you can go in a career based on looks. When it comes to intelligence, 
You can't actually, you know, put a figure on that. And that's why Cheryl Fernandez isn't going any more than sitting behind a desk going, way eh, because you're worth it. That's as far as it goes with her. She doesn't do anything else. She's not a businesswoman. She's not intelligent enough for that. She's just somebody who they sort of dot. The trouble is now it takes a lot more makeup to try and fill her face out because she's gone so thin. There must be something the matter with her. It's not normal. And so you get all these other people. Sarah Harding was another one. You know, lots of coverage in the paper. Oh, yes, I used to cane it. She's way past 30 now. You know, it's now turning into the twilight years for Sarah Harding. And having had the roasting she got from the critics the other day for her abysmal acting on Coronation Street, and people are saying it's the dumbing down of Coronation Street, that the people on there must be looking at her going, dear God, what have we come to? You can imagine the older members of the cast. There's a bit of a hierarchy at Corrie. Bit of a hierarchy. They're going, hello, lovely to see you, thank you. Please, God, she doesn't stay. And I don't think she will. I think they must have taken it to heart. She can't act for toffee. Seriously, she cannot act for toffee. Has she ever had acting lessons? I don't think so. Has she ever had singing lessons? I don't think so. So uh, now she doesn't have boyfriend lessons either, so, so she's back by herself again. But uh, I'm sure she'll sell a story over this coming weekend about, you know, I'm getting on with my life and it's all very important to me, my acting career. And we all, we all secretly laugh, don't we? We go, ha, 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 ha. So here's uh, Brendan Rogers with Charlotte Searle, who's draped over him like a tarantula. I've got the millionaire and I'm only 31. But uh, as I say, she's got that kind of been around the block a few times look. And uh, so now they've got... He's also got uh, property in Accrington. We always laugh about Accrington because it featured on a television advert. Remember the two kids in the tent in the garden? And I think it's Craft Dairy Lee or something like that. And one goes, oh, so-and-so, so-and-so, Accrington. And the other one goes, Accrington Stanley. Who are they? I thought you saw... I've never seen them. I've never been to Accrington, but it sounds fantastic. I must go one day. Why did the Brits pay more to go to Disneyland? I don't know. 40% more. A premium package for the French is 953 quid. Uh, For the British, 1,325. And for the Germans, 1,733. Why is that? Why is that? That's very odd, isn't it? Very odd. If France doesn't take action, the Commission could eventually go to court over the issue. It doesn't get resolved. I'm surprised they're still going at Disneyland Paris. When they first opened, they had tremendous problems. You know why? The weather is dreadful in France. Absolutely dreadful. People are mostly dreadful, especially in Calais. They're absolutely awful. And then Quentin Letts has done a lovely piece today, and he's absolutely right. He's talking about the Great British Bake Off, he says, which I love it. But does it have to be so right on? So what do they put in it? Uh, You know, bloke with tattoos? Check. Muslim with a headscarf? Check. House husband? Check. Afro-Caribbean? Check. They're all... Because in other words, if you didn't put a woman with a headscarf in, they'd be excuse me, um, I don't actually see any Muslims in there. Are there any Muslims? Uh, Do we have an Afro-Caribbean person? Why not? The BBC are so worried about being seen as non-PC that they put everybody on there. The only thing they don't appear to have, and I don't know because a couple of them look suspect, uh, do we have any gay boys in there? Any gay women? You know, I mean, I know we've got one of them presenting it, but I mean, for goodness sake, let's let's have sort of a little bit more. But he's absolutely right. It's a little bit too so right on. And we all sit there and look at them, you know, I mean, bloke with tattoos with a silly hat on, you know, somebody who's been cooking since their mother taught them on the family knee. And you just uh, anyway, sorry, I've moved away from the story about the woman who was doing particularly well. Well, she wasn't. She was getting work based on the fact that she'd had publicity in the papers, this particular person. And um, it turned out she couldn't actually deliver the goods. There's, there's been a couple, actually, that I've encountered in, in my brief career, as you can imagine, only being in the business a few weeks. And uh, one of them was particularly awful. I mean, she was so dumb. 
I mean, seriously, she was so dumb that when she was doing interviews for the place where she was doing interviews, because she didn't know anything about the people, she would phone her father. Phone her father to say, I'm doing so-and-so, what would I ask them? And her father would give her the questions and answers kind of situation. I mean, seriously, she was dumb. She really was dumb and deeply unpleasant. But the other one had to go to America. And strangely enough, she came up in conversation the other day. And I was talking to somebody saying, you know, I can't understand where it all went wrong. She had looks. She had, you know, personality. She'd been out with a lot of high profile, you know, relationships. And they said, but she can't do the job. She wasn't any good. And they, they found out after a, a very short space of time. And I said, oh, it's, so, so now she's in America. And they went, yeah, but she hasn't got any work. She's got nothing. Her marriage collapsed. I think it lasted about five seconds. And you think to yourself, what is it about some people? They get loads of coverage in the newspapers, and yet they cannot sort their own life out. And, of course, Sarah Harding is that classic example of somebody, loads of coverage, loads of publicity, you know, scrubs up well, does everything else, but to be honest with you, useless. Useless. The singing career, forget it. The acting career, forget it. Because it's just not going anywhere at all. But she'll continue to make these headlines and she'll continue to get older and older and older. Then she'll have to do a reality show. And you know, once you've started doing a reality show, you know, things just couldn't get any worse. And of course, if you're really ancient, like Gemma Collins, then you have to end up doing uh, Katie Watsit's uh, new TV show. It was all about being fat. Which, of course, is quite hilarious because the whole theme is about being fat. Because Gemma Collins is fat. Somebody wrote to me the other week and said, why are you so rude about Gemma Collins? Because she's fat. It's as simple as that. And she's no talent. And she's rude and she's vulgar. And we've got the news coming up at five o'clock on LBC. Uh, Other side of that. Outrage in America as the dentist kills beloved animals. The Primark breastfeeding mother. She's been charged. She's going to court. The impossible stunt outfit up for grabs. The sore slip worker loses a £100,000 claim. I was blinded by my chopper, says one man. Uh, When you're living abroad, you Brits, us Brits, we Brits, crave a buttery crumpet. (sighs) Could eat a buttery crumpet now. How Mr Big predicted his own murder and the curry house owner facing jail. Dirty boy, he's a groper. And school bullies more likely to get the girls. And if you've got three and a half million quid this morning, you can buy a house where Anne Boleyn signed her name on a piece of glass. Now that's a piece of history. It's LBC, I'm Steve Allen, it's my early breakfast. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, the 29th of July. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh, The Primark breastfeeding mother up in court. She's been charged. Uh, Sewell down the drain. That's Lord Sewell. And we found another one. This one claims... £300 a day to walk 200 yards to work. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Mr Big predicted his own murder. I only realised this morning he was called Mr Big because he was only five foot tall. All the same lying down, as they say. The curry house owner faces jail for groping. The obese, says the Prime Minister, must get treatment or lose benefits. Why don't you sort out France first? Let's start worrying about the obese a little bit later on. And why are shop dummies so thin? It's very depressing. It's LBC. All of that and more on 84850, uk. Uh, the reason that the Lords crop up again is because here is somebody who lives in a £4 million house, 200 yards 
from the House of Lords, yet Baroness Wilcox still bills the taxpayer for £5,700 a month for her walk to work. In two years, the 74-year-old former Cadbury Schweppes director has pocketed 75 and a half grand in parliamentary attendance allowances. She's among scores of affluent peers who claim thousands despite living in and around Westminster. They haven't broken any rules. It just seems a bit pointless. So for £300 a day, she walks 200 yards. And that's um, that's quite a lot of money going out, as far as I'm concerned. That's why I think we have, to, we have to do away with them. I think they have to change the ruling. And so they've got a picture of her, Baroness Wilcox. And, um, you know, it's Baron, uh, Baron Sewell, who finally quit yesterday, two days after the exposure of his cocaine fueled sex party, uh, during a drugged-up rant in which he mistakenly claimed the allowance was £200. He said, the only trouble is these so-and-sos who live in London and don't have to pay rent. They've already got a house in London. And they've got Baroness King. Is that Una King as was? So all of a sudden she's a Baroness, is she? I mean, it's the old ermine gravy train, isn't it? It is literally a gravy train. Uh, would you want a job? You can have one, Baroness Una. She wasn't much cop on the television at anything at all. But now she dresses up on all the finery and takes the golden shilling. And they're all at it. It's absolutely phenomenal. She lives in Great College Street, not her, but Baroness Wilcox. I mean, you can see the end of the Houses of Parliament. Literally, she's got to walk 200 yards. It's opposite the Jewel House, where the entrance is. And so it's 200 yards, and for this she claims 5,700 a month in expenses. Five, that 12 fives are 60, 12, 7, 8, My God, she's coining it in, isn't she? She's coining it in. But they're all at it. They're all at it. Lord Irvin of Laird, Lord Tavern, Lord Reed, uh, John Reed, who claimed 8,500 visiting the Lords 30 times in the first two months of the year. Lord Lamont of Lerwick, Baroness Jenkin, Baroness King of Bow. This is Una King. They're such pretentious titles. I mean, I love the pomp and circumstance. Don't get me wrong, you know that. But uh, she claimed 8,500 in the first two months of the year after attending the Lords 29 times. She lived 6.2 miles away in a £700,000 house. She served as an MP from 97 to 2005. She's now head of diversity at Channel 4. She didn't respond to requests for comment last night. <laughs> I bet you bloody didn't. I bet you didn't, love. It's unbelievable, is it? It really is unbelievable. The gravy train is operating and it's operating in this country. How can we complain about anybody else? Pervy people in the House of Lords. People pocketing a small fortune. All legally, of course. But it's just wrong. 200 yards and you claim that. Well, I'm entitled to it. Of course you are, dear, but you're not a lord or a lady or anything like that at all. You're just an ordinary little person who's been given a title, and it doesn't mean diddly squat to most people in this country. And uh, I agree, says uh, Jenny. Cheryl Fernandez-Spagbol doesn't look at all well. Wasting away could be a cry for help. Well, it would have to be a cry for help. I mean, I don't know what's the matter with her. Seriously, I've never seen anyone look so ill. I mean, I wouldn't mind if she's having to work really hard, but sitting behind a desk is not really working very hard, is it? It's like... You know, it's not like this job where you've got to sit down and talk for two and a half hours. I don't think she could talk for three minutes by herself. You imagine, ladies and gentlemen, here's, here's, uh, here's old Spagbol with her own chat show on LBC. I don't think she'd get very far at all. I mean, for the publicity value, I think she'd probably be very good. Sarah Harding, Steve, says Pablo makes Keith Duffy look like Larry Olivier in the acting stakes. Yes. <laughs> Could, couldn't agree more. I didn't realise she was as bad as, as, as I thought she was. I thought she was going to be bad, but God knows she was even worse than that. Uh, Tony says, uh, in Ethiopia, they found a tooth uh, that's around 560,000 years old and it's in perfect condition. Yes, I mean, it's, it's the only thing. That's why when they, when they sort of dig up pharaohs and stuff like that, the thing which has survived is the teeth. 
I always think it's quite funny when you look at somebody's teeth after they've died. Not that I spent a lot of time doing that, but when you see pictures of mummies and stuff like that, you look at the teeth and think, wow, what do they... I mean, now we have dentists and we have, you know, people who are very good. So if you get a toothache, you can go to the dentist and if it's an abscess, he can sort it out and drill it out or whatever. If in the early days you got toothache, if you were a caveman, I should imagine you must have been pulling your teeth out. You'd have been knocking them out yourself with bricks, wouldn't you? How would you have coped? It's bad enough now. You know how ill you can get through having toothache and stuff like that. So that's, that's why I, sort of, I asked the question as to whether or not people would have survived years ago. I know that when they used to have operations, they used to give them a bottle of whiskey, and then they sort of just hack the offending uh, limbs off and stuff like that. Dreadful. Uh, I'm in uh, Bali, says Louise. How lovely. In Bar- I've never been to Bali. I've never been. I don't, I don't know why. It's never, never actually appealed. Oh, it's very pretty, isn't it? Very, very quiet. Is it my imagination? Or every time I see a picture of Bali in a hotel pool, they always look deserted. There's never anybody there at all. Says, loving the Wi-Fi to keep up with the show. Yeah, you see. Doesn't matter where you go on holiday. You just take your little computer or your laptop or your phone and you can, uh, you can listen to the programme. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. Uh, we read everything out on the programme, as always. Uh, here's one. Uh, it says, one of the most distressing things about the lion's death is he took 40 hours to die. Well, because what he did, he shot him with this uh, bow and arrow. And then sort of the lion wandered off and they found him, I think, the next day, didn't they? But uh, And then, then they shot him. And then to add even more you know, ignominy on it, they then cut its head off and skinned it. I mean, the dentist has apologised. He said, oh, I I wouldn't have... Yeah, you've done it 47 times. 47 times. We know exactly what you are. Thank you. Uh, Walter the Slaughterer is obviously a troglodyte who can only feel like a real man when he's killing wild animals, says Hazel. His life is about to become hell. I think it's hell already. I think he suddenly realised that this thing ain't going away. That business will, I'll tell you, be on its knees by this weekend. He will not be able to practise there. Seriously. Because up until now... As I said before, you don't know what your dentist or your doctor does or your candlestick maker or your butcher or your greengrocer. You have no idea what they do when when they shut up shop. He goes out killing wild animals for the fun of it and says, by the way, Steve, my orange bra appears to have disappeared from the washing line. You wouldn't happen to know where it had gone. Got a rough idea. I think it could be down in Dolphin Square. He's very peculiar, isn't he? I thought he'd fall on his own own sword yesterday. He'd have to retire. And then finally we got the apology that we'd all been waiting for of embarrassing himself and being a complete buffoon. Uh, As usual, the show is good, says Paul. Do you think the UK's seen the last of Gordon Ramsay? Nope. Nope, not at all. No, he has restaurants in America that he goes over just to check on. And, of course, he has to go over there fairly frequently because he's the only friend that Davy Boy Beckham's got. Contrary to what you believe uh, in the papers about Davy Boy Beckham knowing, you know, Tom Cruise and everything like that. Uh, was was Davy Boy Beckham with Tom Cruise on his recent Mission Impossible tour in Vienna? No, no. Was was David, where was David Beckham? He was in a cinema watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with Gordon Ramsay. You know, in between that, he went to the Tattooist and then he had a pizza and then he went to the Tattooist. And, and we don't know what he did after that. Nothing at all. I don't think he's seen the wife in ages. I think she's far too busy, you know, tiddling around the world. Uh, the man on the advert is uh, Don Warrington, says Maria. It is Don Warrington, absolutely. And he was the uh, the medical student on Rising Damp. And uh, he was lovely. He's in um, EastEnders, isn't he, Don Warrington? Is he in EastEnders? Or he was in EastEnders? Yes, very, very distinctive voice. Excuse me while I have a little... Uh... Oh. 
you do need, I don't care what anybody says, you need a cup of coffee in the morning. You need a cup of coffee in the morning. It's the thing, that you, you need something, don't you? After you wake up and you've cleaned your teeth and then you think, no, actually, before you've cleaned your teeth, you have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. And I've started drinking a bit more coffee, but I've just looked in my cupboard a moment ago and I'm running out. So what I'm going to have to do is order some more coffee bags. I get this Lion's Coffee, which I order through Amazon, and you get 150 bags for 20 quid, which makes you appreciate how expensive coffee is outside. Uh, the Weeproof Paint, which we did yesterday on the programme, the papers are now doing today. It's a good idea. They're using it in San Francisco. It's anti-urine repellent, so it bounces back. So in other words, you wee onto it. And it throws itself out. Oh, it works. I've got no idea. I'm serious. I've never understood this at all. So instead of running down the wall, the urine sprays back and will hit his trousers and shoes. But mainly, and they, they, they put signs up in English, Chinese, Spanish uh, and American to advise anybody caught short to hold it. Seek relief in an appropriate place. It's made in Florida. It's special technology to create a surface of tiny patterns of geometric shapes that have peaks. It's these high points that repel liquids. But if somebody is going to be weeing, uh, and it's mainly men, mainly men, women do it as well. I've seen women do it. Um, it's, it's a case of they're generally so drunk, they couldn't care less whether it bounces back over them. They're not going to be seeing it anyway, are they? So I don't, I don't think it's going to be a repellent. I think I think my idea of yesterday electrifying the uh, the plates, you know, just put metal plates in and let people because people are fascinated by it, you know. And then you could put a sign up going, "We on this if you dare," and then you just push a button. It, it sort of you know the thing becomes electric and they just complete the circuit. Don't do it again, I promise you. About they won't do it ever again if you play your cards right. Uh, I think you may be onto something," said Richard in Wapping. If the French strategically erected a guillotine with a few old ladies sitting around knitting. The migrants might have second thoughts before entering the tunnel. Tis true, tis true. Yes, you imagine a lady sitting there as the tumbrils come rolling in, you know, and another aristocrat or another person gets executed. I don't think it would put people off at all, do you? I don't think it would. People aren't put off by anything nowadays. Heavens above, you know, people are so brave, so brave. Uh, what else do we have in the papers today? Oh, the firing squad. Will it stop Gaddafi's playboy son spilling Blair's secrets? Because apparently he was very friendly with uh, with uh, Tony Blair. He was also very friendly with um, the metal magnet and friend of Peter Mandelson. That's Oleg uh, Deripaska. Uh, also very friendly with Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew played host to him at Windsor Castle and Buckingham Palace. But there again, Prince Andrew's got the oddest of friends, has he not, ladies and gentlemen? They're either sort of convicted paedophiles or they're despots from somewhere else. But there again, nobody ever said he was bright. Nobody ever said he was bright. Weather for today, is it going to be bright? If that's not a good link, my name is not Steve Allen. A fine and dry day. Good spells of sunshine. Oh, good. Oh, showers later. Pleasantly warm in the sunshine. Sharp showers by the evening. Heavy showers tonight will clear all parts by midnight. Dry night with clear periods. Oh, I can't wait. Sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Should get the car washed? No, no point. What's the point in getting the car? Don't get the car washed, for goodness sake. Uh, 84850, Andy Michelle are in Toronto. Having listened to uh, to you and Clive Bull. Lovely to hear you again. Thank you. Makes it sound like we're the only... Well, we are, actually. I think we're the only two surviving people. Quarter past five. Look at the team at seven with 2,000 migrants, but it might be as many as 5,000 now trying to storm the Channel Tunnel. Is it time to deploy the military to protect tourists, lorry drivers and our economy? And should we ban slang from all schools? One school in Croydon has had success with their plan. Look at the team at seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz, John Cray, chief political correspondent for Sky News. We'll be looking at the papers. And uh, no harm, says Pizzi, in having sympathy for a lion or a lost child. 
But uh, calling 2,000 people rapists and scroungers, well, you can't libel a group of people. I better put you right on that one. And suggesting bringing in the army. Yeah, that's the government's plan. That's the government's plan. It's nice when I can educate you, Peter. I think it's good, actually. I think it's good. You know, because we don't want you to look silly. I want you to make it look as though you actually have a rough idea of what you're talking about first thing in the morning. Uh, I went to Bali, says Ursula, over 30 years ago when I lived in Oz. It was really something. However, no self-respecting Australian would go there now. It's full of chavs from Oz. Invests and flip-flops. Jeremy Kyle types. No, thank you. About the dentist. Why don't they find out the game reserve who arranged it? Well, they, they know the game reserve. It's all, it's all well, well documented. What I don't think... Uh, Ursula did go to Kruger National Park 50 years ago. Well, people go out now to these parks and they do go out on these shooting expeditions and the whole idea is just to shoot wild animals. It is, it's so archaic. And there's no reason for it. You know, we're now supposed to be in charge of our planet and when you get some thick dentist from Minnesota, who, as I say, he's a dentist today, bankrupt tomorrow, I suspect, because this one isn't going away. Animal lovers around the world will be, even as we speak, bombarding his dental practice with abusive emails. And I don't think he's realised just what he's let himself in for. He probably thinks he's very clever. It's not a one-off, by the way. This is the 47th animal that he's killed. 47th. There are pictures. He has pictures taken with all of them. His home must be riddled with pictures of him with dead animals. I hope he's heartily proud of himself, because, as I say, he won't be by the end of this week. He'll be moving house and selling up as quickly as possible. So, she appeared on television yesterday, Dame Helen. We're supposed to be nice about Dame Helen Mirren, because she's achieved the age of um, 70. And people go, doesn't she look fantastic? Yes, but quite clearly the brain was out to lunch the other day. Because no fool like an old fool. So she's on television, and she swears. She's, dis- she's talking about the weather... And um, and she says, oh, we were we were we were camping with no electricity and lose and none of that. And it and she used the P word ending in uh, D uh, with rain nonstop for, for like three days. And um, and so then uh, they had to apologize. Ben Shepherd says uh, we can't say things like that first thing in the morning. One of those moments when you put your foot in your mouth. Apologies. Dame Helen says, why can't you say that? Well, I mean, surely you can't be that dumb, can you really, dear? Are you are you really that stupid? You know, there are young people watching television. Mums watch television at that time of the morning with children, and you're using a word which... I mean, are you happy to have words like that being banded around? So next time a young person stands next to you and goes, you look a bit of an old... You know, you'd be happy with that, would you? Of course not. There are certain words, and I expect you to be a little bit more intelligent and not use them on morning television. It's as, it's as straightforward as that. You know, otherwise... Oh, you can't use that, you see? She's 70. Why would she know? Why would she know? We shouldn't actually sort of worry about things like that. We should just put it down to the fact that she's barking mad, probably. She might look good, but uh, she also dismissed fascination with her age and beauty regime as boring. I know, dear, but that's all they talk about with you, isn't it? It is. That's what they talk about every time you've been on television. And I remember you. I can remember you being on um, TFI Friday. I can remember it very well, like it was yesterday, where you were more than happy to have people fawning all over you about the way you looked and everything else. Now, all of a sudden, you've decided to go back on it, have you? Funny that, isn't it? Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. What do you get if you cross uh, Lord Buttyfansule with a packet of Bisto and Network Southeast? A lord on the gravy train. Yes. The gravy train is alive and well, ladies and gentlemen, and living in London. Do you remember the bank worker, says Jeff, who put the cat in the dustbin? She got thousands of death threats, sacked from her job and a police guard and had to move out of her house. Yes, now magnify that by about a thousand times what this guy has done to Cecil. His life. 
Given the America's disgusted by what he's done, I'm sure he'll need armed guards for the rest of his life. Well, I have to be honest with you, he's made the biggest mistake. He's not the only one who does it. Let's not sort of think he's the only one. He's, uh, he's one of many, many very rich people who go out there on these hunts. But I thought that had all finished. I didn't realise that they were still doing them. And as he's, you know, murdered, that's the only word for it, 47 animals and posed with them. There are pictures in the, in the paper today. I feel a bit sorry for him, actually, because he quite clearly didn't realise that he's just opened up a complete hornet's nest. A complete hornet's nest of people going, you've, you've killed all these animals and you're proud of it. And he's obviously extremely proud of it. He obviously couldn't be happier because he's got pictures of him with a lion. It's not Cecil, it's another lion. Uh, And then he's got pictures with him with a rhinoceros. I mean, you know, a rhinoceros. He paid 13,000. An elk posing with a fallen stag. And um, the bison. I mean, bisons are huge. And, And he just brings them down with it. He's quite clearly some sicko. He quite clearly. But these tourists have deep pockets. And over there, these these safaris thrive on parting people from their money. Giraffes, wildebeest, 3,000 quid will get you a giraffe. You can bring a giraffe. For what point? For what point? Apparently, those wanting to hunt in South Africa can buy a five-trophy animal seven-day safari, including the hire of 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 a professional hunter, accommodation... Meals, beers and wine for 2,307. You can choose from a list five chosen targets. What? These are sick people. Taxidermy and videos capturing the kills are available for added extras. What, you take the lion home? He's taking the head home, presumably. Apparently a five-day trip to kill an elephant in Zimbabwe costs £7,000. A leopard, 12000 Good God. But to kill a lion... 35,000. A Cape Buffalo can be bought for 4,390 quid. These people are sick. There's something the matter with them. I mean, seriously, it's just it's just not right. Butchery by the driller killer. And here he is. He'll be thrilled to know that it's not just America, but just about everybody else is, uh, has decided to attack him. He's not the only person who does it. He's not the only person. Uh, Walter... Walter's Google reviews. People have been letting him know what they think about him and his sick acts, says Paul. It's all over the uh, the internet. He must be sitting there going, well, I've been doing it, you know, 47 times. Nobody's said anything up until now. No, but they've uh, they've decided that uh, they've had enough of you, mate. To kill a lion, which ends up losing its cubs as well, because they'll be killed by the other lions, is almost unforgivable. Uh, assuming the French have an army, says Dean, why don't they send them to Calais, or is it too much trouble? Don't they have the... Who, who the who's the army that they have in France? Is it the Foreign Legion? Couldn't the Foreign Legion go down there and sort out Calais? Why do we have to sort it out? What's it going to do with us? Surely it's only to do with us once they've arrived at our end. And quite clearly, we don't want them here. It's as simple as that. That's why the police are down there, to keep them out. We don't want them in the country. Bit full at the moment, OK? But, uh, we have to, to pay that price, don't we? The, uh, the French farmers are spreading animal muck all over the place. And uh, so you just have to put up with it. I really don't know why. But as I say, Calais, they might as well close it down now. Horrible place. Really is terrible. Uh, Do you remember the documentary that Louis Theroux did about big game hunting? Uh, I was appalled, says John, that most people, Americans, booked holidays to this site. And you'd book how many animals you wanted. Just what I've said there. They come up with a shopping list for you. And, uh, I mean, it's supposed to be important business for the local economy. So what they do, they're, they're breeding animals. And then you could do the petting. And do whatever, you know, meet a cheetah, meet a lion. And then when they get a bit too old, then they push them out into the bush 
and without uh, a word of advice to the lions or whatever it happens to be, they get shot by hunters who have a picture taken with them, and then if you pay extra, you can have them stuffed and presumably shipped back home again. I don't understand it either. I really do not understand it. Uh, Signet's here. I've uh, avoided their swan song. There's one, two, three, four, five, seven of them. They're quite lovely. They were in danger of being drowned by older birds. Yes, this is a problem. I should, I might have to explain to you uh, later why, if you've had that situation which we had of ducklings being born, don't ever take them down to the river and release them. It's carnage. It's now 5.30. Oh, no, it's not. It will be in a minute. Any minute now, it'll be 5.30, and then what we'll do, we'll have a, a check on the latest news headlines with Lisa Aziz. So the time now on LBC is 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have you company. 29 minutes to 6 is the time. So these ducklings, now you remember the story. I shall price it down for you. Some years ago... Um, we uh, we had an invasion of ducks. I think that ducks uh, look for somewhere to, to lay eggs. And uh, we have a big patio. And at the time, we had a, uh, a big water feature on it with fish and all the rest of it. And I had lots of empty terracotta pots, which were sitting there. And um, I can remember coming out one morning, and I was about to walk up there. And as I walked past the terracotta pot, a head popped up. So... I saw Kerada walk in, I saw turn round, and the head dropped down again. So I went and peered in, and there was a duck sitting in the pot. On the wall was another duck. Two ducks. Two ducks. And so I went back later on, and the ducks had gone, but inside the terracotta pot were eggs. She'd had eggs inside the pot. She'd lined the pot. It had a few little bits of bracken in there and everything else left over from when I'd cleared the pots out. Cut a long story short, um... The eggs hatched. And I only knew it because I went outside one morning and she's walking up and down the walkway. And the, the little ducklings are trying to jump over the top of the terracotta pot. It was all a bit of a disaster, really, because at that age, they're just little balls of cotton wool fluff. They float. Seriously, you could drop one from the top of a building and it would bounce when it gets to the ground. And... She then had this this first set of ducklings, so we all took pictures, and it was all very lovely. And then she would sort of go downstairs, and she would encourage them to go down. Eventually, she got them down, and they waddled across the road, and all the traffic stopped. And it was like, you know, a scene with the policeman there letting the ducks and the ducklings go across as they headed to the river, which is, you know, within like, a, like two minutes of where I am. Following year, back they come again. More ducks. This time, we thought we'd save them the time and trouble of trying to negotiate a very busy few roads and a few sets of traffic lights, because I wasn't totally convinced they understood how the sequence worked, and the, the green man meant they could cross, and the red man meant they had to sit there and wait. And so we gathered up, with the help of some of my neighbours, the ducklings into a box, and uh, off we trundled down to the river. Well, I didn't realise, I didn't realise that, uh, that other ducks on the river will attack other ducklings that are not their own. But we didn't know this. We had no idea. So we happily go down there thinking we're being really good and the ducklings will survive. Well, of course they don't. So we, we put them down. They all wander into the river. The next minute, there's carnage. It's like the Battle of the Somme. Seriously, they're attacked uh, by, you know, other, other ducks. Uh, these were ten weeks old. They were in danger of being drowned by older 
birds after the uh, the baby's parents rejected them. Anyway, now they're all safe in this particular case. Our ones all got drowned uh, because that's what they do. They, they just sort of sit on them and try and hold them under the water. I mean, absolutely dreadful, but I didn't know. Now I know. So I always made sure that ever since, and we had them three years running, I do not have any empty pots on the patio for fear of a duck flying over going, oh, look, nice place to lay some eggs. No, thank you very much indeed. Anyway, they're all here. Uh, swans attacked them as they tried to eat. The people who oversaw this pond said the parents had flown off and never came back. And that's what they do. They generally have about 13, but only about seven survive. And these ones have survived. Yet more, we're plagued with ducks around our way. Canada geese are the worst. Oh, absolutely the worst. They really are terrible. So, crisis mounts as 2,000 storm the tunnel, say the papers. Although, no, we, we seem to have upped it to 5,000. 5,000 people, which, as far as I'm concerned... Sounds really quite dangerous for the police officers down there. Somebody said that the, uh, the Foreign Legion aren't allowed to serve in France. Uh, somebody said this should never have been allowed to happen. Well, it's just got worse and worse. And I don't know what the answer is. The government are talking about bringing in the army uh, or bringing in some sort of services. Whether that works, I don't know. Or failing that, just brick the thing up. Why don't they just all come in by ferry? Oh, wait a minute, we can't use ferry because they're blockading the ports, aren't they? And then you've got loads of people who are sort of... I mean, can these uh, lorry drivers not sort out migrants getting in. If the, if the film companies can see migrants climbing in and out of lorries, can't the lorry drivers see it? There's a huge fine for each one that they bring in, but obviously some make it, and that's what they do. I was just thinking, good job Helen Mirren didn't say it was raining cats and dogs, otherwise she could have come in for a serious uh, beating from the animal-loving fraternity. Yeah, she used the P-word, Richard, and that uh, the P-word is just the worst, the worst ever. On television in the morning, you don't want young people to hear it go, oh, right, I'll use that word, because they do, they sort of, they pick it up. I'm looking at the police, and these, these might be French police. They might be French police. Uh, Theresa May, they don't know what they're doing, do they? They've got no idea. Home Secretary, what are we doing about it? I don't know. I don't know. You know, why don't they just, as I say, block the tunnel off or fail that? Either block it off or let them in, because at the moment it's costing a small fortune. And all these lorry drivers sitting there. It's not good, is it? Uh, the crafty visit for the Prince of uh, Wales. He joked about building a, stri- a dry stone wall. I don't think Prince Charles could build anything. He's, he's very good at doing conservation, but other people do it for him. And so he's turned his sort of garden into a playground for the royal children which is quite nice, so they can go there and, and play. And then the story of the other day of security boss Paul Massey's past. He was a crook of the First Order, called Mr Big, I think because he was only five foot tall. He was killed outside his Salford home, uh, but it's believed, they say in the papers, he had no shortage of enemies. Well, of course, anybody who's in that business, and the business being crime, of course they've got enemies, because there's always somebody who thinks they're bigger than you. If he was only five foot, I should imagine most people were bigger than him. They'd filmed a documentary with him. As usual, sort of glorifying these sort of people. And they, they put them on the... T- they never did it because somebody got knifed halfway through it. So they decided not to show it. And uh, strangely enough, the police admit they've encountered a wall of silence in the art of... Nobody's going to come forward and say, I shot him. Or this particular gang shot him. At one time he used to run... I can't believe he actually seriously thought he could run for mayor of Manchester. But uh, he did. He loved Salford. He said, people have got me wrong. He says, I live... No, they didn't have you wrong at all. That's why he was shot dead. But uh, they say he was a principled man. Well, most people are, aren't they? But uh, he had his roots still dressed in jeans and trainers, Salford lad to the end, and um, and then he took a stance against drugs and gun crime. But he was a crook. That's what he was. That's what he was. He spent 14 years in prison, I think, for being a crook. And he was uh, named Salford's Mr Big. It was a tag that stuck. 
even though he was only five foot tall and uh, gunned down. Second one, isn't it? It's almost like there's a bit of there's a bit of tit for tat going on, and they're they're seriously, seriously hoping it doesn't escalate and get out of hand. Getting escalating and going out of hand is sex predator Prashant Sengar. Uh, Prashant Sengar has uh, has a restaurant. Uh, this one's in Leamington Spa. Unfortunately, uh, he's a groper. He's a little bit of a pervert, ladies and gentlemen. He's a sex predator. He slapped the bottom of waitresses, stroked their thighs, looked down tops and tried to force himself on them. He's a 40-year-old businessman. He told female job applicants they must flirt and mess around if they wanted to work for him. That uh, well-known sex pervert Prashant Sengar um, didn't take it uh, very well if they refused his advances. He was found guilty of seven counts of sexual assault on six women over the course of a year. And uh, he'd actually accused all six women of lying, was refused bail and remanded in custody. He'll be spending time in uh, prison. He's an arrogant pervert. And uh, as uh, the prosecution says, women will tell you he's a man with wandering hands, an arrogant man who abused his position. Dirty little person. Anyway, in prison. I don't know why they bother wasting time. Listen, now, ten years gone. Goodbye, thank you. I want this house. I've decided if I win the lottery, I wouldn't mind this house. It's three and a half million. It's near Seven Oaks in Kent. It's an historic country mansion that apparently, now I say apparently because, you know, they've got no evidence, uh, bears the signature of Henry VIII's doomed second wife, Anne Boleyn, etched into a window pain. It's believed that during Henry's seven-year pursuit of Anne, the pair danced together at Yaldam Manor near Sevenoaks. Anne, whose family lived at nearby Hever Castle, is said to have carved her name into one of the Great Hall window panes in the 1520s. It's got eight bedrooms, 30 acres, seven reception rooms, seven bathrooms, a tennis court, paddocks and a stunning landscape garden. Apparently, Philip James of the agent, Strutton Parker, said, owning this house is a responsibility. You've got to be the guardian for the next generation. But is it really her signature? Accredited to Anne Boleyn. But why would somebody write their signature on a window? You'd have to write it with a diamond. It's the only thing that you'd be able to write with. But I like the idea. Imagine having all those bathrooms. They must have been added later. They can't have had bathrooms in the early days when this place was built. I should imagine it was covered in straw. But uh, a nice bit of history, isn't it? A nice bit of history to think that Anne Boleyn walked the corridors. And you get 30 acres as well. And the signature. If, of course, it's genuine, but nobody can ever prove it. Love it. Uh, second time this week, we found a carer. Somebody who's supposed to be caring for the elderly. Uh, this one conned a D-Day veteran out of uh, £10,000. She's been ordered to pay back every penny. As far as I'm concerned, every single person who ever thieves from anybody who has been part of, you know, the D-Day landings or anything like that, or anybody who's elderly. Unfortunately, I think we go round to your house and we take everything away and we kick you out onto the streets. That's what you should have to, to pay the price for. Beverly Davis had agreed to help look after former Royal Marine Ray Warren, 89. 89. He's achieved that fantastic age. And uh, instead of... Um, Spending his cash, she duped him out of money. She took his cards and she went along and he became a bit suspicious after receiving a call from the bank informing him that he had insufficient funds in his account for his purchases. He then discovered that she'd spent the money on Chinese takeaways, Amazon, eBay, children's nursery fees, insurance and mortgagees payments. He was so devastated by the abuse of trust, he lay in bed worrying about the money at night and had stopped going out. He died five months after he discovered he'd been conned. She was handed a 12-month jail term in April for the fraud and uh, for a separate credit card scam carried out on another victim. She's been ordered to pay back everything she took from him within six months. The prosecutor 
says that she changed her story several times, saying that he was confused and a drinker. So remember the name, Beverly Davis, fraudster. Okay, don't let her anywhere near any of your elderly parents. Following the orders to repay, Mr Warren's daughter Elaine says, I'll never be able to forgive her for what she's done. Not the first time we read stories like that in the papers, is it? It's not the first time you read of people who take it. There was one the other day who uh, who took an old lady for thousands and thousands of pounds. As far as I'm concerned, you know, pay it back within six months. You'll pay it back within a week or we're coming round. We're selling every item that you've got. You will pay back every single penny and then some. Not messing around with these people anymore. It's, there's, there's a picture of her. She's an evil-looking so-and-so. Evil-looking so-and-so. Why anybody would want to sort of fleece somebody who's 89? Can they not sort of understand that these people have earned their right to, to sort of, you know, to live a decent life? He only had £10,000. And when he went to buy little things, the bank said, you haven't got enough money, I'm afraid. Uh, I couldn't keep quiet, says Karen, on the subject of Cecil. Says this is the lion who was uh, killed for no reason apart from just, just pleasure. And it's hard to believe there are so many sick people in this world who find joy in killing innocent animals. You may recall I had a very well-known cat who has nearly 12,000 Facebook followers who survived a fire which was intentionally set. I've been involved with animal rescue for years and I'm horrified at what people get away with. Luckily, we have the power of the press and the internet and compassionate people like you to help bring these abusers to justice. Well, I said Karen, and she's in uh, New York City, this uh, dentist who is named in, uh, in all the papers uh, today in this country. This is Walter Palmer. His business will be bankrupt within the week. Nobody, he won't have any patients left. Nobody will go anywhere near him because there's no reason for this. There is absolutely not a reason. If this was a, a, a very sick animal, I could understand a vet, a vet putting it out of its misery. Not somebody who goes out there with a bow and arrow. And when you see the bow and arrow... You realise you're not talking about plinky-plonk, plinky-plonk, little thing you had as a child where you played cowboys and Indians. It's not like that at all. This is a, a powerful crossbow which he aimed at this animal. The animal then wandered off and then presumably died, or maybe not died, so they finished it off with a, with a rifle. But that was hours later, like 40 hours later, and I had to find it. Uh, and then it was skinned and its head was cut off. And I just don't understand, if I live to be 39 and three quarters, why anybody would ever do this and then have the audacity to pose grinning with a friend, this dead lion. This is not Cecil here. They haven't got any pictures of, uh, of Cecil. This is another lion that he shot uh, last time he was over there. I think the previous, previous kill was the lion. And he's grinning with it. What is the purpose of you, you sick man? I should imagine in America this will, this will gather momentum Fairly quickly, and I'm pretty confident in staying out of business inside a week. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to six. It's Wednesday, the 29th of July. What do you do if you're driving down the road and the traffic gets built up a little bit, then all of a sudden you hear, woo, 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 and it's an ambulance. It could be a police car, but in this case, it's an ambulance. Do you pull over to let the ambulance pass because we're good? Other countries do not do this. In Austria, I think Paul Hollingdale might have to bear me out on this one. You can go to Austria. I was always amazed when I saw it that you'll have an ambulance sitting there and all this traffic. Nobody moves. They just all sit there. The ambulance has to wait till the traffic moves. Over here, we're very good. People mount the pavements. They get out of the way. They throw themselves. The one thing you are not allowed to do, and it doesn't matter whether it's a police car or not, if somebody's behind you and you're sitting at red traffic lights and a police car goes, woo, 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 you're not supposed to move. You are not supposed to move. You are not allowed to cross a red traffic light. It's illegal, apparently. Don't ask me why. Because the normal reaction is you'd pull to one side. So here is the case of Lynn Plaxton. Lynn Plaxton was sitting in her, her car the other day in Hull. 
and she was in Anleby Road. And behind her, well, two things behind her, comes an ambulance. Woo, 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 woo. So what does she do? She pulls onto the left. She's in a bus lane. She gets a fixed penalty notice for £60. But the photograph quite clearly shows the 99 crew passing her. She's in the bus lane. There was another car that came in behind as well. They all moved in to let the bus go through. Now, surely somebody in the council would be intelligent enough... I think it's unlikely, you know, we are talking hull, but they would be intelligent enough to realise that this is somebody who is pulled in to let an ambulance go past. Not, let's send somebody a fixed penalty notice. But uh, a city council spokesman said the cameras were installed to improve the bus system, but it would consider mitigating circumstances. It's an ambulance, you fool! It's an ambulance she's pulled in to let the ambulance go by. I have to do this slowly, they're in hull. Okay, the council there, dumber, 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 really thick. She pulled in, ambulance go by. I mean, God forbid it could be the uh, the city council spokesman's mother or father who was being taken to hospital. It could be life and death. What would you rather? They just sat there in a traffic jam? No, you would thank somebody like Lynn Plaxton who moved over to let the ambulance get through because we all think the same, don't we? That could be a relative of mine. That could be my relative, and I would like to think that everybody pulled out of the way to make sure that that ambulance got through as quick as possible. But no, not up there at Hull. Dumb, dumb and dumber, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there might be uh, mitigating circumstances. There is. It's an ambulance. You know, you know. try and act like a responsible human being. Try and be intelligent. You know, surely you can see the picture. What do you think? They've just parked up in a bus lane? Oh, dear. Calvin Harris has stripped off uh, to his undies. He's 31. He's, uh, he's had a complete makeover. I mean, his body makes David Beckham look a bit naff, actually, now. And the good news is that Calvin Harris does not have his whole body covered in uh, tattoos. So that's good. His rapper pal, Example, whose real name is Elliot Gleave, gave him the seal of approval, said it's probably the best transformation I've ever seen. Well, I have to be honest. I mean, I think my body could look like that if I worked at it. I'd have to work at it a little bit. In fact, I have to work at it quite a lot. But, uh, no, looks much, much better than old Davy Boy Beckham, who's looking a little bit dated. Uh, in the paper, in the Metro today, a lot of people writing in, talking about the the little boys who were going to school. There's three three brothers. Two of them go to one school, but the, the last one, poor little soul Joshua, he didn't get a place at his brother's school because his mother left it too late. She left it too late. And so she was bemoaning the fact in the paper the other day that, you know, Joshua wants to go to school with his brothers. He doesn't want to go to a school two miles away. Oh, friends. All his friends are up here with his brothers. And then he can play with them and, and they can all be at school together. But the school said, no, she left the application too late. There is a deadline. You cannot leave it beyond that because there's other people who are on the uh, the list. So mummy complained about it. And everybody's complained about her now. Say, you know, you, you should have applied during the time frame. Don't blame the council. Somebody else says um, the reason that her son has got to go to this school two miles away is because she missed the deadline for the one next to her house. She lives next door to the school, but she can't go there because she left it too late. Says, don't blame the school for your mistake. Next time, stick to deadlines. Exactly. She's done it with two other kids. Why could she not do it with the last one? So Joshua's got to go to another school. Joshua's not at all happy. He's really, really fed up with the whole thing. Time to ditch the way the Lords are appointed. Lord Sewell's not a one-off. So somebody writing from Kent to the... Oh, I'm so sorry. To the papers today. I forgot to take the, uh, the sound down on my phone. And they say, he won't be the last. It just affirms why the public does not trust the House of Lords or peers. However, he was spot on with his quotes on other politicians. 
It is odd, isn't it? When you look at sort of Una Kit, they just sort of hand them out like jelly babies. And then they say, can we have a quote? No, you can't have a quote. I'm, I'm, I'm a baroness. You can't, can't ask me any more questions or anything at all about my, uh, about my private life. And you think to yourself, do you know, you really want to say to them, who do you think you are? I'm not kowtowing to you. I'm sorry. We might do it to the royal family, but I'm not doing it to you. It's as simple as that. There's a policewoman here. She's been barred from a beach. You'll remember the story which I told you about because it's the, uh, it's the king of Saudi Arabia. He goes on holiday and he goes uh, to the French Riviera. He's staying in a villa and they've closed the beach off so that he can, he can sort of sunbathe and do whatever he does as king. But they've banned uh, a policewoman from the beach because they don't want her to see Saudi men in their swimwear like it's going to affect anything. And so a police union spokeswoman said, it is scandalous that the Saudi king can order women away from his private beach. It's France, not Saudi Arabia. Yes, I totally agree. It's, it's all a bit, little bit biased. In fact, it's actually very, very biased. So consequently, uh, she can't see men in their swimming trunks. If they look like him, I shouldn't imagine there's too much to see anyway, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't really worry about it, dear. But it is odd that he can take over what is a public beach. More pictures in the Metro today. They need your help, everybody does, to find this gang who punched and kicked a man to the ground and then took turns to stamp on him. Uh, these uh, people are in their teens or early 20s. Uh, they appear to be Asian. Two of them were on Boris bikes and they were taking selfies of this attack. Uh, they kicked and punched him to the ground, and then afterwards they fled. Now, what they'll be able to do, quite easily, is they'll be able to track them on cameras when they get rid of the bikes, and they'll get them that way. There appear to be about uh, one, two, about five of them. About five of them. But uh, this this man had just come back from a wedding. It's on Tower Bridge. There's no no reason for it at all. He was lucky to escape with cuts and bruises, but uh, they will find them, and you'll find out they're a thuggish gang, and of course their mummies really love them, but I bet their mummies are looking at the papers now because they're clearly identifiable. Very clearly identifiable. There's, I mean, there's three of them. One, two, Yeah, three you could see. And if you were a mum, you would go, that's my son. Like like the mother who couldn't recognise Jihadi John. You know, she brought him into the world, but she couldn't recognise him for love nor money. Funny that, isn't it? But uh, there'll be some mums out there going, I know who that is. And if that's my son, I know who the who the friends are. This is the cowardly Tower Bridge attack. So pictures in the paper today. You can find them on the internet, and I think they're also on the LBC website. And uh, we need your help in tracking them down. Let's get them into court as quickly as possible. Next time somebody could die, it could be a pensioner. Who knows? Could be your mother, your mother, your mother, your father. Could be anybody like that who gets attacked. Not so glorious, good, Goodwood, as the uh, as the heavens opened, and people do expect it, don't they? Uh, less than a month after the hottest British July. On record, the heavens opened. See, I don't mind too much. I can cope with the heavens opening. I think that's absolutely fine. But uh, the well-heeled attendees, it's, it's, mar- it's, it's actually marginally better, isn't it, Goodwood? Doesn't it attract a, a better class of people than, than some of the other ghastly places, <laughs> like the Liverpool race? I think that, that is real sort of chav city. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought I'd turn my phone off. I do beg your pardon. That was I shall turn it off completely now. <laughs> Otherwise, I get myself into trouble. There you go. Right, right. So uh, here they all are with their umbrellas. But everybody looks terribly well healed. All the attendees look very well healed. And uh, they say it's it's less strict and elitist than Ascot. Yeah, but Ascot's gone very down market. Ascot seems to let in just about anybody. Anne Widdicombe and her little column. I love the way they do, they just do head and shoulders of Anne Widdicombe. Probably safer, I think. Last time I saw her on the television, she'd ballooned beyond belief. And uh, she was talking about Tilda Swinton, who generally looks quite sort of plain and washed out. She's got that 
sort of androgynous look, and they've done her up uh, for um, for some film, I think. And she looks unbelievable. And I said on the programme two days ago, three days ago, two days ago, uh, she looks absolutely amazing. If you haven't seen the pictures, go and have a look at Anne Widdicombe's column today and you'll see a picture of Tilda Swinton, who has been transformed. I mean, it's, it's unrecognisable. It just goes to show what clever makeup can do. When I did uh, Arlene Phillips the other day, who's going to be with me for In Conversation, this week on Sunday, together with Simon Pegg, uh, she was talking about her daughter does her makeup for her. Her daughter's a makeup artist. And the tricks of the trade are that you do a little bit of this and then there. And, you know, and people know, know what, what to do with. And her makeup artist travels with her. So, in other words, if she's going off to do a television, she's got her own makeup artist because she knows what makeup she wants on. And for 72, I can tell you, Arlene Phillips looks absolutely amazing. Actually, we've done really well for ladies in sort of what would be considered sort of twilighty type years who look fantastic i mean absolutely fantastic this week we've had a, we've had a spate of uh, of lovely looking ladies so she's going to be with me the, uh, this week as well as um simon pegg who is very much of the uh, of the news at the moment um, i'm going to tell you the story later on it's because i couldn't quite believe it myself but the the downton abbey place have dogs uh, their cocker spaniel has just given birth and they're going to give the dogs away. I'll tell you more about that one, the other side of the news, because I think that's actually quite interesting. And if you're a victim of burglary, don't expect anybody to come round. It's not like the old days of Dixon of Doc Green, ladies and gentlemen. They just don't have the time nowadays. They really don't have the time to do a follow-up. You're very lucky to actually get somebody to even follow it up in the first place if you have a burglary. There are far more... Uh, Bigger things that need sorting out out there. Even the front of the Independent have got the man who killed Cecil the Lion. He's not a happy person at the moment. Uh, the seagulls strike the putter father on crutches. 30 teachers banned for sex with pupils in just six months. Uh, Mr Big predicted his own murder. Uh, the 40% more that we have to pay to go to Disneyland Paris. The French get it quite cheap. I suppose they would. And the million pound happy birthday fees may be axed because every song that you play on the radio or in a film, somebody somewhere wrote it and they want their money. This one's uh, very interesting. Uh, half of us chat to our flowers and the man who was blinded by his chopper. All of that and more on LBC. It's Wednesday morning. I'm Steve Allen. News is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. It's Wednesday, the 29th of July. Woo Weather's not too bad today. Not too bad. A little bit of rain later on, but it should be deeply pleasant. Gaddafi's son to be executed. Outrage as the dentist in America kills a beloved animal like Cecil. You know, as I said before, there are loads of people doing this. He's the one who's taken the flack for everybody. He's killed 47 animals. It's not cheap to go and do it. I don't understand it any more than you do. Uh, Lord Sewell gone right down the drain. He's finally fallen on his own sword and he said, I'm so sorry, I apologise. Thank goodness. Now let's get rid of them. Uh, the Primark breastfeeding mother up in court. They've decided somebody's not telling the truth somewhere. And I was going to squeeze in my, my chopper there. This is a story by a man who was blinded by his chopper. And he's bought one of these um, helicopter things. I've got one. My one's not, not very big, actually. I mean, I've got one which isn't very big and one which is really quite small. And I was going to bring it in for the producer. 
because I thought he could take it on holiday. It just works on one little battery, and you charge it up. And it's tiny, but it's got little tiny lights on it. It's, I mean, it's tiny, teeny tiny. It's about the size of that, which, if you're listening in stereo, is probably just big, bigger than that, and not as wide as that. <laughs> if you're not listening in stereo, forget it. There's no point in me explaining this to you. You'll never understand it. And, um, and this bloke's got quite a big one. And, of course, when he turns it on, these, the blades go round really fast. It takes off. And they're plastic, and it's hard plastic. And it hit, hit his eye. I don't know if you've ever hit your eye before now. It's not pleasant. It really isn't. Uh, if you're a, a Brit living abroad, and many of you are this morning, even Paul Hollingdale, living in Vienna, I bet the craving that he has, among many, Paul, uh, would be a buttery crumpet. Apparently, we love buttery crumpets. I don't know whether we're promoting crumpets this week or whatever, but I also like buttery crumpets with peanut butter on. There's something nice about, about butter dripping through. Oh, toast. They've got to be... No, just put them under the grill. They've got to be crispy. They've got to be crispy on the top. And, yeah, we don't want soggy crumb. I don't want anything soggy. I'm sorry. It's got to be... It's got to be hard. And then you sort of... And you put the butter on, and then you put the peanut butter on. Oh, it's delicious. You could eat a whole plateful, couldn't you? I'm sure... I don't know what the fat content is of, of crumpets. I'm sure it's quite high. <laughs> in a British way, it ain't going to be diet food anytime soon. Talking to Paul Hollingdale, who's over in Veen. Good Scott, good Morgan. Says, just to let you know, the traffic have to give way to ambulances travelling through the city. They're all equipped with very loud sirens and vehicles just pull over. By the way, the answer to the Calais problem, here we go, this is the answer, is to close all the borders and the checkpoints within the EU countries. If this had been done months ago, these migrants would not have been able to reach the Channel port. The solution lies fair and square with Brussels. Yes, I agree. Because they travel through so many countries to get here. And then when they get here, they use devious methods. They break people's property. Uh, they've used knives before now. Now there's 5,000 of them and, of course, just overrunning everywhere. So, you know, they need to start bringing in some very draconian measures. And it comes down to Brussels. But then what do they do? That's just another gravy train, isn't it? Uh, awful about the person getting a ticket, getting out of the way for the emergency vehicle, says Noreen. My blood runs cold when I see or hear a fire engine, an ambulance, because somebody's life is at risk. I can still remember trying to follow my dad in an ambulance being rushed to the Royal Free. Sirens screeching nearly 40 years ago. And uh, a big thank you to Bridget, who spent days trying and successfully tracking down a Sheltie that went missing. Her and a friend devoted days to finding him. So, success. Yeah. Actually, I'm looking forward to doing nothing today. I'm looking for... I like days when I don't have anything to do, when everything's sort of a little bit clear. And, and you think to yourself, what should I do today? In fact, I, I sort of, before I climb into bed, I think, you know, actually, tomorrow I've got the programme and then I'll, I'll record the links for In Conversation. We'll do the free podcast uh, for you. And, and then I think, what else have I got? I think, I've got a free day. I might just go out for a drive in the car, go and buy something. I don't need anything. Somebody said to me the other day, you've got to stop buying things. It's become a compulsion. I said, it is true. It's mainly food. I do like my, uh, my food. Uh, Steve, I was waiting for a bus yesterday... <laughs> says Malcolm, uh, when a woman came along with two small pugs in a pram. When the bus arrived, the driver said, why? She said, because they're my babies. To which he replied, I thought they must be. They look just like their mum. She wasn't best pleased. Why do people put dogs and things like that in it? I hate people, you know me, I hate people who dress dogs up. I hate people who sort of, you know, dye them different colours. Oh, I mean, really hate it. I mean, to, to, to the point of, you know, really, it's just the worst thing. Um... What does the dentist 
says Dean, put on his customs statement form on the way back home. In the have you any meats, does he write, yes, I've got a fresh lion's head and skin? Did they let him go back home with it? I asked, because many years ago, on the way back to Texas, customs took my children's apples away and x-rayed them, then gave them back, having just radiated them. Compare that to a few kilos of foreign meat. Well, they skinned the lion, didn't they? I mean, this is what's so awful about it. This was a lion who actually had a name. Not like just lion. He was called Cecil. I call him Cecil because... Um, I should imagine that's what the Americans will be calling him on all their news bulletins. And also, this this uh, dentist has got no idea what he's opened up here. I should imagine the, the place in South Africa where, you know, if you've got three and a half thousand quid, you can go out there and you can kill a giraffe. For what point? For what purpose do they do this? Why don't they just, you know, oh, dear, I just... I do lose the will to live sometimes. You read things and you think, why would somebody want to do that? I understand that there are people in this world who are fairly cruel and I understand what culling means. I understand all about culling to protect a herd or things like that. I understand we have to do it in this country. We did it in St James's Park, killing Canada geese and nobody complained about that because the mess they make and the noise they make means that you have to sort of, you know, to, to make the... Uh, the, the flock stronger, you have to cull, and they do it with deer in, in the parks as well in in this country, and they probably do it up and down the length of the land. But when it's a lion, what's the why would you want to go out and do something like that? I don't understand it. I really don't. I, feel, I, I get angry with myself for getting angry thinking about it. Doesn't really help, does it? Other stories that are in the, uh, the papers. I love the one about the Britons craving a buttery crumpet, but it's got to be cooked properly. There is no good, ladies and gentlemen, in just sort of popping it under the grill and going, oh, that'll do, because that will not do. It's, uh, it's got to be good. Uh, also, uh, the traditional cupper only nudges in at number 10. Uh, what what come, Thousands of, of uh, these things have been shipped abroad, crumpets, because they can't make them abroad. Nobody can make it. Uh, and also beans. You ask anybody abroad, when I used to go to Vienna, Paul, uh, Telia used to say to me, um, I'd, I'd, can you bring me some wall sausages? So you'd have to hide them in your suitcase because they craved wall sausages out there. I never took tins of beans over because I think now you can get things like that. But uh, in this uh, shop, Bisto gravy granules, Branston pickle and Cadbury's cream eggs are the things that you crave. See, I always thought it was uh, Marmite. When you went abroad, you bought Marmite because that reminded you of home or English tea bags. English tea bags. I mean, how lovely to get to get stuff like that. It doesn't always work because I've had stuff abroad before now and it, it never tastes the same. It <laughs> never tastes the same at all, does it? Wherever you happen to go. Uh, what was this I saved here? I saved a, a bit where I was sort of I was interested to talk about something and then I, then I couldn't find it. Uh, the out-of-touch judge who sparked outrage. Uh, this is the one. Uh, two illegal immigrants sneak into the United Kingdom. He believes they're being pushed into crime because they're not allowed to work or to claim a very generous benefit system. But as Paul Hollingdale said, and he should know about these things, you know, close the borders, tighten the borders up. Then they can't get as far as Calais. It's as simple as that. You know, there are loads of countries that they pass through long before they get anywhere near here. They don't want to stay in France, do they? No, 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 no. They want to come here because they think they can probably thieve. And uh, judging by what we've seen so far, you go to any of the courts, you'll find out exactly who's doing the thieving at the moment. And it certainly ain't that many Brits in court at the moment. Here's Melanie Sykes on holiday, taking a photographer with her. And uh, she's relaxing. I don't know what she's relaxing from. But uh, Melanie is 190 now. And they say she's clearly back in ship-shape condition following her stint on I'm a Celebrity. And uh, she's in late Como. Oh, Lord. How tacky. And uh, she says, now it's my favourite place on Earth. Not mine. It always rains. 
always rains. Uh, bookies have suspended bets on the new Bond film Spectre uh, after a punter tried to put £15,000 on moody 90s rockers Radiohead recording the theme tune. I thought it was Adele. Am I speak? Oh, I'm probably going to get into trouble now. Ellie Goulding as well. Ellie Goulding, we think, is probably more likely. It's only not Radiohead. We're probably going to get into real trouble now because I think it's Ellie, it's Ellie Goulding doing it. <laughs> Who cares? 6.15. Steve Allen on LBC. I like Wednesday. I've decided. I like Wednesday. It's quite a good day, actually. Uh, I like the story in the paper today of a delivery driver uh, who said he was injured when he slipped on chocolate sauce. Uh, this is ex-soldier Adrian Punter, who claimed he'd never work again because of constant back pain. He said he was hurt when he fell in the back of a lorry. He told the court, when I slipped, I looked down and saw what I believed to have been chocolate sauce. But the judge rejected his claim. He said he would have given the lorry the once-over and seen if there'd been any substance on the floor. He told Central London County Court it was more likely it had been brought in from outside. He also said Mr Punter of Fulham had a pre-existing back injury, so they threw his claim out. An old fraudster. They decided he was telling porky pies. So uh, out he went, which was, I suppose, good news. And then the story of the man and his chopper. And this is a bloke from, I don't want to say it, from Colchester and Essex. His name is Phil Shellgrove. Phil Shellgrove spent £400 on uh, a Blade 450 3D stunt helicopter. He bought it off a friend. Now, I have to tell anybody who buys these that even the little tiny ones can do you serious damage. Because what you do is you've got to get used to the controls. So I've got a fairly small one. Well, you know. It's average in my area, but I mean, it's a, you know, and you sort of, and you put it on. This thing, when it, when it takes off, sometimes they can just shoot up into the air. You've got to be very careful, so you should be able to get it. I've got it now to the situation where I can start mine up and I can make it hover and then go up into the air and I can fly it in the sitting room. This one here, uh, he lost control of it the first time. He said it shot straight up. So, in other words, he sort of powered it up and it's quite, quite big, this thing, quite big. He said... I panicked, hit another lever. It flipped over and came whirring towards my face. I had zero second to react and it smashed into me. The next thing, it sliced through his eye and his eye went blank. And that's what he's got at the moment. He said, I love remote control planes, but I hadn't used a helicopter before. My friend told me it was dangerous, particularly indoors. Absolutely. Even the little tiny one that I've got can be quite dangerous. Quite dangerous because you, you sort of panic. You don't realise it's, it's got a little tiny motor in there. I know they're great fun. But better off outside and don't stand over the blooming thing because they've got two blades. The top blade and then the blade just underneath it. He's now had five operations. He's got five more. And uh, his injuries mean he'll have to give up his career. He says, my job in drive dr involved driving. He's not. I only warn you now because I know that there'll be parents listening who probably bought some of these things. And when you watch them demonstrating in the shops, they make it look so easy. They seriously make it look so easy, but I promise you, you need to practice with them. And if you've got them indoors, this whirring plastic, you know, you could, you could slice open a child with it quite easily. Not difficult. Front pages of the uh, papers, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I, I forgot to mention, I was going to bring you the story of, of poor Sarah Harding, I'm afraid. Not looking very good for Sarah Harding, just in any department, really, at the moment. And uh, the latest thing is that poor Sarah, uh, she's, she's lost her, her boyfriend, and uh, she split with Jason after eight months, so fairly lengthy by her standards. 
And last night, a source revealed, this will be her PR or something, that um, it was really her, her new job on Coronation Street, her new short-lived job on Coronation Street, judging by the appalling acting we've seen. I mean, really, how to dumb a programme down. Uh, in the end, they knew that it was right. She's been out with Callum Best. Oh, God, who hasn't? The world and his oyster have been out with Callum Best and Steve Jones. Where did that career go? And uh, then she was engaged to, uh, to Tom Crane. So it's, I mean, it's all a little bit unlucky. And then there was Jason and then a, a few other people. She said it's a tough gig going into a soap. Uh, oh, no, this is somebody speaking for her. And she's a vulnerable person. But I have no doubt she'll come out the other end. A vulnerable person. God, and grow up, for God's sake. Sarah Harding is 190, isn't she? I mean, she's still got a failed relationship. They still talk about it like she's 15 years old. That's about the level of the acting. I mean, the accent's all over the place. It's just unbelievable. Compared to all the professional people in the street, it really is pitiful to watch. Uh, the Sun have the married lesbians, both pregnant. Uh, the sewer down the drain. This is sleazy Lord Sewell. They're all at it, aren't they? Uh, sickening, the gloating dentist. They're running it on every news bulletin throughout the world. As I say, he won't have a practice by the end of this week. The 2,000 migrants storming the Channel. Nick Ferrari will be talking about that this morning. The Daily Mirror, 2,200 migrants. I think we've upped it to 5,000. The riot cops lose control in a six-hour battle. Uh, British tourists avoid Calais. Well, why would you want to go there? It's a dump. Don't ever go to Calais. It's got nothing that you need. Uh, the Daily Express, don't expect visit if you're burgled, say, the police. And uh, Britain gets EU exit boost, plus Grandad Charles's secret garden gift for George and Charlotte. Uh, what this means is that Prince Charles hasn't mown the lawn uh, any time soon. Uh, the Daily Mail, the safety flaw that doomed Branson's spaceship, the peer who gets £300 a day to walk 200 yards to work, £5,700 a month. Bit of an old swizz, isn't it? It's perfectly legal. It just seems that, you know, they obviously have no regard for anything at all. Front page of The Independent, unmask the man who killed Cecil the Lion, or Cecil the Lion. The burglary victim story runs again. Guess who's 69? Angry? Moi? Who's 69? Come on, famous actress, sweetie darling lovey, Joanna Lumley. She's getting uh, ripped and very angry. Thousands of migrants storming the Calais terminal. That's why we don't want them. We don't want these people here at all, and that's why we're trying to keep them out. The Daily Telegraph, Morgan Freeman, why I'll never go back on stage. And uh, five rules from the Bloomsbury set. How to, uh, how to be hip, to be square. And the Wendy House, that really is fit for a king. Prince George has got one. Prince George, he was given uh, one to play in when he visits Highgrove. And it's a hand-built shepherd's hut, and it's got a wood-burning stove. It's lovely. Very nice. Uh, Prince George's shepherd's hut was given him, given to him by a company, and they named the company. So, in other words, the royals are not are not exempt, ladies and gentlemen, of bending over and accepting any old freebie that comes their way. Absolutely loaded, but uh, they'll accept a little shepherd's hut for George, and they'll accept the clothes and all the rest of it. It's just, it's embarrassing, isn't it? So much money, and yet uh, no way to spend it, really, because people just want to shove stuff onto you, so that then, once they've given it, and you've accepted it, they can then go by royal appointment to Prince George. We supply his play hut, and it's over at Highgrove. And people get very excited about it. Very excited. I keep thinking today's Friday. It's not Friday, is it? No. Today's Wednesday, because tomorrow's Thursday. Today's going to be the nice day. It's a little bit, little bit at the moment. A little bit of rain later on today, but it should be fairly, fairly good. A nice sort of sunny day. So make the most of it. Do something nice today. Do something nice today. Get yourself dressed. Go out there. Just go for a walk. Go up and down your road. Get to learn who you're, who's in your road. Ball in Boreham Wood. 
says, uh, very inadequate men who want to assert themselves over a powerful animal, but too cowardly to take the animal on barehanded. So they have to shoot them with a crossbow. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. A quick one, says Paul, in Vienna. Proper English crumpets, muffins and scones, freely available from Bobby's store in Vienna, together with a whole range of tea bags. Don't forget we have M&S just across the border in Bratislava. Oh, dear. Well, bliss, you see, for me. I, w- I wouldn't need to go out ever again. <laughs> just, and today I shall be having my parmentia potatoes again, which are delicious, crispy, and I think we're going to have the Thai green chicken curry drizzled over the top. Have a lovely day, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for your company this morning. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. You can get a free podcast up uh, on your iPhone or your Android phone if you go to the LBC website and download the LBC app. And uh, you can also learn about podcasting. Terribly easy. Anybody can do it from 9 to 90. It'll save you lots of embarrassing moments when you go abroad on holiday or you've got a long drive in the car and you think, oh, what are we going to listen to? The radios dip in and out. If you take the LBC podcast with you, it solves all those problems. So it's lbc.co.uk. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 4. You can uh, follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show. Fairly straightforward. 7 o'clock this morning, Nick Ferrari. Guaranteed to get your blood seething today with all sorts of stories. But next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.